You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce Show, alongside of uh, Jimmy and Schmidty. What's going on, gentlemen? Um, not Blackhawks hockey. Yeah. Yeah. One's not looking forward to tonight's game. <laughs> hey, come on, man. Spencer Knight. The Spencer Knight Masterclass. How could you not be excited? Come on. <laughs> well, it was like it was uh yeah, Pierce, you said it. It's it's either gonna be that they completely light him up or he gets a forty save shutout. No, I am not putting. I'm not putting myself through a 40 save shutout. There is a higher chance of that happening. Who was it? Who was the Calgary goal again? Red Obera. It's gonna be Red like Obera. Shutout. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when you said 40 save shutout was uh, his his first game. I remember um, it was, it was Curtis Glenn Cross scored early in the third yeah, period with his absolute snipe, and then Hosa tied it on a five on three. I remember this game perfectly because Red Obera plastered it to the back of my brain that's never leaving he had like what 46 saves and that was that i think it was 13 14 no it was really? 14 15 i'm pretty sure really either yeah, way yeah he was just up. it was 14 15 yeah either way it was just one of those dominant teams and they could go into a game and they could get 50 shots when you would get 20 and they tied it late Get it to overtime, and I, I don't even know who scores. It doesn't matter. But yeah, Red O'Bara. I, I bet I bet you Calgary fans were like, "Oh man, this is the Messiah. Like this is the next guy." And you know now he's just kind of I don't even know where the hell he is actually. 
You know who their goalies were that year? It was uh, him, Kari Ramo, and Jonas Hiller, and none of them were in the NHL. I was going to say, I'd love to hear the amount of saviors, quote-unquote, that Calgary's had in that the last decade. Because since Kippersoff, it's just been a roller coaster. It's been a rotating door, like rolling door, whatever. And that's like revenge for them from 2013 when Ray Emery just like stopped everything, and they somehow (laughs) won that game. Honestly. So on to more positive Blackhawks news. Uh, Adam Bogfist <laughs> has a broken wrist. So, <laughs> good job, Pierce. <laughs> we're really <laughs> we're thriving right now. This is fantastic. By the hey, way, Red Obera. Our, our last podcast episode has fifty plays. Shout out to uh, Adam Wilde for coming on and uh, uh, yes. being a great get, bring, get, being a great guest and also uh, shouting us out. Yeah, super super awesome and super cool, super cool guy. Oh, yeah. He's a good good Canadian kid. Good Canadian kid. <laughs> By the way, um, Red Obera, um, most recent uh, time in the NHL was – this does not seem right. His most recent time in the NHL was 2017-18 with the Anaheim Ducks. Played five games. He, he played five. You know what? That sounds right because I'm pretty sure that Ducks team that year was just decimated with injuries, so it wouldn't surprise me. 2016-17, Florida Panthers? He had seven games? He's been playing uh, in a Swiss league the last three years. I swore the last time he played was for the Avalanche. I thought he played for them like two years ago. Dude, Jesus, years are flying. He played like three years with the Avalanche. Oh, my God. He played his first year with the Avalanche, too? He had traded his first year. Really? It's, a this journey, is a Mandela man. effect. Yeah, he, oh, it was 2013-14 that he, uh, he started off. But he got traded the same year to the Avalanche. I guess he wasn't the Messiah. How sad. Our Red Obera deep dive. All right, so yeah, right. Adam, <laughs> this is a great way to start it off. <laughs> so Adam Bokefist, um, it's unfortunate he was having a really good year. I would say he was probably our best defenseman. Like ever since that that COVID pot, that COVID, when he had COVID, it just seems like he's really found his game and like, things are really looking promising for him. And obviously, it sucks he broke his wrist, but you know, just just really all you can do is hope that he's healthy for next year that he continues to take steps and it seems like there's been a lot of negativity this season well not a lot lot of negativity but like as of late with all the losing and all that stuff but a lot of our young defensemen like there's a lot of uh like a promise in our young defensemen adam bofist obviously but then nicholas bodan he's getting a chance tonight and why kalnuk has really taken a huge step which is huge he has I'm pretty sure I saw he had the most goals for a rookie defenseman this year in the NHL, which is not nothing, man. Like, that's impressive. And also the fact he's only played, I think, 14 games. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's definitely been a nice resurgence on the back end for for a back end that's been rather troublesome this year from the main guys that you would expect, the guys who are making money. But um, like you said, since Boquist came back from that, uh, from that COVID scare, he – he looked phenomenal. He was quarterback in that first power play for a good month and a half, and it was looking really good. He was making plays in transition. He still was making plays up until he got hurt that last game. <clears throat> I um I always joke with you guys. He coined the the Seabrook dive on the two on one. He's been doing that a lot <laughs> lately. And he's it, but he's but it works. So like I can't yeah. knock him. And he's and he's getting Seabrook a lot used more to do it well too. So you know what? Not a bad thing at all. Yeah, he's getting a lot yeah. more physical. Unfortunately, that led to the broken wrist, but. I mean, that, what are you going to yeah. do? Like, it's just super unfortunate, the fact that he and Doc broke their wrists this year. Like, yeah. you can't like uh, you can't even write that stuff. Your two best prospects get hurt. It's the same injury. 
But it, like I, I think you said in the chat, Pierce, he doesn't need surgery, right? So no, we, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. That's that's at least that's good. So that should be a shorter recovery time. But just an unfortunate way to see a good sophomore season end for him. Yeah. I don't know if it's just we're Blackhawks fans and like the universe revolves around us, but it seems like the Blackhawks have been so unlucky with injuries this year. Just like with the whole Tay situation, obviously Kirby Doc and uh, Adam Bokfus now, and then you. T- taken to the fact that Alex Nylander hasn't played this year and probably won't at all. And, um, yeah. What are um, they going to do without Alex Nylander? They really <laughs> are unfortunate with injuries. You're right. Uh, but Alex I mean, Nylander's William Carlson, by the way. <laughs> but, I mean, it was like it was half the year or longer. They didn't have their top two centers. And it's not like they got both of them back. They got Kirby Doc and – Probably Why not 100. I was about to say too. he's not 100. percent So he's not. So you're just getting like you're getting like 70. percent Well, you know I don't want to say you're getting 70 percent because to be honest, when you don't get a guy at his you know his uh, full health, it, it it's just it's not even that you're not you're getting a part of them. You're not getting them at all. Like Doc does not look like Kirby Doc at all. When he's played, he looks good, but he does not he look. He doesn't like look like he did, like he looked in the bubble. Like that was yeah. not at all. The physicality no. and the aggression's not there, like it was in the playoffs. And he's you can just tell that's him afraid to go into the corners and kind of test his wrist and stuff. And you can tell with the shooting too. Like I mean, I know he didn't really shoot to begin with, but oh, a lot of chances where he think should be that. taking shots or he should be getting net front chances. Like you have, a, he's got a broken wrist. Like it, it's got to be hard to like you know. That's so why, like, the one goal he scored, I was kind of shocked he got his hands to go in tight like that. I mean, obviously, he's a, he's a hell of a player, but, you yeah. know, that's a that's a tough injury to come back from. Like, we've seen what wrist injuries have done to Bobby Ryan over the years, so. That's like, what worries me. The first one I thought of, and it, it's not the same because he was playing with it completely broken, was Tyler Johnson. That was the first. That's like when I hear a broken wrist and I think of somebody playing with or I hear about somebody playing with it. That's the first guy I think of, and look at how his career just shot down after that. He was – did he win Rookie of the Year that year? I think he was at least up for Calder. They were they were all the triplets were Calder finals. Wait, no, it was Ekblad. It was Ekblad. It was Ekblad. I think he came to the league a year before that. I think it was 2013-14. Uh, he was nominated for Calder. I'm pretty sure McKinnon won that year. So. Oh, oh, probably, yeah. That's true. He, yeah, but you just see how – injuries really that that injury specifically really changed his career at least um you know timeline it seems to be the one that did so i don't know i i I really really hope that he just takes his time with this one in you know during the off season and looks like both of us can do that too um i just hope that with doc it hasn't affected him too much that it's going to affect him long term i don't know that just seems to keep poppy up in my head i know wally's brought it up too but yeah hopefully it's just a you know it's just a little dent in a long career I hope. Yeah, I know Wally was talking about it in the chat. He was saying that um, it, it is it should be a little concerning to say the least that your two best prospects have had both have had a concussion history, both now have a broken wrist. Um, like that's and they're not even twenty one yet. So that's I hate hearing that out loud. Like two it's just so pretty uh, serious injuries to have on your uh, belt pretty early in your career. Well, both so it'll be interesting. Last year, and he had concussions coming into his draft year. Andy had, he had a concussion long... this season. He got hit with a puck. Exactly. Face. He's had mm-hmm. two concussions in two years, and I mean, they weren't major concussions. Like it doesn't seem like they were very. Like, 
how do I say this? They didn't seem to be. It wasn't like a Crosby concussion. No. Yeah, and I'm saying this as somebody who says that every concussion, you know, no concussion is a minor concussion, but they're really, you know, there's a difference between kind of like getting shaken up and really, you know, like you said, Crosby getting slammed on the ice. Yeah, Yeah, there's a complete difference with those things. So um, at least I can say from my experience, and I think, well, I'm not a genius. I think we can all say it's not going to be probably not going to be, you know, like something traumatic, severe, but still worrying, I, I, I feel. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's something we need to, you know, as a fan, you want to keep an eye on. And hopefully the medical staff does because it seems that they still have that, that urge to rush them back in. And I don't like that. It worries me. And there's not really a reason to anyways. Like they're probably, they're not going to us now. Yeah, no, they seem to be pretty reluctant to let guys come back. Like, I'm pretty sure they're just going to sit the Han for the rest of the year because there's no point, like. Oh, for sure. Let well, us no like, see what you got the with the kids. Healthy, but, you know. You know, they, they won't do that. <laughs> I also yeah. think it, um, that with Boquist being out, as unfortunate as it is, it allows for Kalanuk, for one, to get a huge step up. Like, I would love to see Kalanuk on that first power play unit. I, I'd very much be curious to see how he would be on that unit because he's already, he was already pretty good on the second unit, I'd say, with uh, moving the puck and whatnot and quarterbacking it. And um, Nick Bodan's finally going to get ice time, which is going to be great. Uh, I doubt Ian Mitchell's going to get ice time, but if those, time at least two of the three are on the ice a night, that's a, that's a win for me. So I think I, Mitchell just needs time, man. I, I, I have a couple thoughts on him, actually, Mitchell. Um, but... I'm, I'm going to save that for later because, Dylan, I know that you wanted to talk a bit about Brett Connolly in that situation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a so, fun one. Do you want to get into that? Uh, Yeah, I, we can get into it now. Uh, why yeah. in the whole Speaking of hell like, you know, is you playing, Brett Connolly yeah. in this lineup over a kid when Stan Bowman is preached all season about how are you doing the youth movement and Everyone needs to. We need to see what the kids have and whatnot. And I go to check my phone today, and it says Philip Kurashev's out of the lineup, and Adam Goddard's in, which is fine. But there is a literal sieve sitting on that fourth line who hasn't done anything since his first game, where he squeaked a goal on Corpusalo, and he's getting power play time over guys like Henestrosa and them. He's getting just straight up ice time over more skilled players like Kurashev. And I know people will say, "Oh, well, you know." Adam Gaudet wouldn't be good in the bottom six, or you can't put Kurashev in the bottom six. First of all, Kurashev is playing fourth line minutes this year. I know he can play in the bottom six. Second of all, isn't that the whole point of a coaching staff? You develop your players into making them more complete players and more 200-foot players, which apparently they had trouble with to begin with. But it just boggles my mind how I, I get they're paying the guy money, so I guess you don't want to sit $3.5 million or whatever he's making. But there's just no production coming. No, but play and, him and, in a play him in a better position. He's not a fourth line guy. Brett Connolly yeah. does not have a defensive game. So at least play exactly. him in the top like he's big. Even play him on the third line. Mm. Like at least play him in somewhat of a position where he can do something. Not with David Kampf, who is literally an offensive black hole. It, it just it, it makes no sense. And also, I think the reason it sent me over the edge so much today was because no one looked that good in that Hawks game on Tuesday. But I will tell you one thing. Every time Philip Kershaw was on the ice, he was giving a shit and he was trying. That's what he I was thought. going for the pocket, making plays. The, the, the like you know the stats obviously didn't show because he didn't get any points on the board. But he was driving play better than any of those forwards on Tuesday. I'd say. Yeah, I and didn't know Kershaw. I was calling to reward him. Scratch tonight. Like I just can't. I can't wrap my head around that. And I guess it like. 
it, I guess it just like sums in the fact more or sums up the fact that they need to either buy out Conley this offseason or just find a way to dispatch him. Cause you, you like, especially going in the next season, he cannot be taking up a roster spot. It just can't be happening. Long time. Liner, I know, but <laughs> hey, but man, come on, he has a Stanley Cup experience. That must count for something. <laughs> Gotta love experience, right? It's oh, the leadership on his finger; it never leaves. He's always a, he's always going to be a winner, and you can't teach that. <laughs> and he's a former sixth overall pick. Can't well, you man, can't teach that. that. You can't teach. You can't that. teach me in a sixth overall pick. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at Kevin Lincoln, and I've been kind of, like, skeptical. Like, he had a great start, but down the stretch, he's just, like, you can tell the workload is getting to him, especially with all the games in this compressed schedule. And I did the math, and, like, on the pace he's playing right now, the amount of games he's played in this season so far, he'd be on pace for paying, fi- playing 57 games in a full 82-game season, which is way too much, like, for even, like, a goalie like Andre Vasilevsky, who I think is, like, one of the couple goalies who could probably play that much and be fine like him and Connor Hellebuck but most other goalies need rest so I'm thinking like I'm throwing around the idea do you think the Blackhawks sign a goalie in free agency because uh, there are some goalie UFAs this year like to Karask I doubt he goes to Chicago no. or even leaves Boston for that matter and Frederick Anderson is interesting because I don't think he signs in Toronto but at the same time he's probably going to look for a long-term contract but uh, some couple goalies that kind of uh Caught my eyes were Antti Ranta, who having a bit of a down year on Arizona. I think he only has like a 905 save percentage, but Arizona isn't doing too hot either. And the two uh, Carolina goalies with uh, either Reimer or Mrazek and then uh, Yaroslav Halak on Boston or even like David Riddich from Toronto, if things don't work out with, there with them. And I'm just wondering what you guys think about that, because I think... Malcolm Subban, like, he's had a couple of good games, but then there's a few games where um, he just doesn't look too good at all. Like, he's letting up so many rebounds and soft goals, and I think he'd be fine as, like, a third-string goalie, especially for the money he's making, kind of, like, you know, be a backup on the night if, like, you have two starting goalies like Lincoln and one a UFA they sign, and he, maybe he becomes a backup and, like, one of them takes the night off. I don't know. I just want to hear what you guys think about that. Well, uh, I definitely think that I the two names that uh, stuck out to me when you were mentioning all of those, uh, Ranta and Reimer specifically, because I don't think we necessarily need a starting goalie. Like, I just think we need a 1B. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like half and half split. We, we don't in. need, like, if it's 45-35, that would be perfect next season. You know what I mean? Or, like, you know, that range. Because... I mean, like, I know we were talking about it on the last podcast. Workload's definitely a thing with these goalies, and you just mentioned it. He's never had a workload like this. Especially when it's this compressed in in a season like this. If you could change Lankinen's, like, workload to where he's only working once or twice a week, and he gets three or four days rest in between each start, that's... Like that, that's about as good as it's going to get. And I know goalies would say like, Oh, give me more starts. Give me more time with the puck and whatnot. But when you're in a rut, like he's in, you kind of need that one B so you can sit back. Like I know neither goalie will probably admit it two years ago, but when like Crawford was doing not too well, or Leonard wasn't doing too well for a stretch, it was kind of nice having another goalie be able to step in and carry the load for a week or two. And then the other one can come in and do it when the other one kind of slows down a little I know the Islanders do that really well with Varlamov and um, Sorokin. Uh, Sorokin. 
Yeah, Aaron um, they do it well. Vegas does it well, but I think Vegas has two starters, so that's completely different. Um, New York does it pretty well too. Like you just they need they need a second guy in there, and I think actually Carolina. Now I think about it, they've probably done it the best because they have three you, goalies. Exactly, you can roll Nick in there too, and they'd be fine. Oh so, man, yeah. No, I you just, know what. I think Reimer or Ranta would be very plausible. And, you know, Bowman loves his former Hawks, so yeah, <laughs> he's going to exactly be why I had Ranta looking mind. at the chops when Ranta hits free agency. <laughs> Same with uh, Jomerson. Ranta yep. honestly goes more to I, – I think he goes to a team as a starter. I think someone's going to throw money at Ranta. Seattle. But I think Reimer is – that's a good – oh, that's a good uh, – prediction there i like that or they could trade for a goalie from columbus you can do something like that because i know they were looking to move one and we were in on mers lincoln's before the deadline so lincoln's man i really would like mers lincoln's but the the only reason i wouldn't want mers lincoln's are i wouldn't expect them to is because it i think he's looking more to be a starter he has that potential and it's sort of the same situation as lincoln in but i also would really like him because he's a damn good goalie I don't know. That's that's one that would be interesting, that, sure. But the thing is, like, I feel like at one point these GMs are gonna have to sit down these goaltenders and just say, "Listen, you are you could be the guy, but you're not starting more than fifty games max. Like that's just the way it is." And I and you got to sit down and tell these guys, "Listen, we need you for the playoffs." Yeah. I I just used two examples immediately. I'd be like, "Look what happened to Frederick Anderson in 2018, and look what happened to Cam Talbot in 2017." Both those guys started almost 70 games in those years. They played they great the whole season. They Anderson started. almost played 70 games? Pretty sure Anderson was in the high 60s, but Jesus. It, still, that's insane. And I know Talbot played 71. I think Flurry played oh. 71 year. Like, you're burnt out by the time you get to the playoffs. And I guarantee you every one of those teams probably got bounced in the first two rounds. Yeah, so Talbot played yeah. 73 Ooh, yeah. games in, I think it was 2016-17, and they did oh lose God. They did lose in the uh, second round in Anaheim. I think they lost in seven, but T- Cam Talbot really hasn't been the same, which isn't actually true because he's having a great year in Minnesota, but like, yeah. he had a few down years after that. It, it took him a while to get his groove back because, I mean, I would just think he was burnt out the next season after that. That's a lot of games to play and a lot of pucks coming at you in one season. Honestly, Braden Holpe, that's another guy. Yeah, Brady Holby had a huge workload for about four years in Washington. Fun fact: and he look when he got uh, his look when he got his workload reduced, he won the cup. Exactly. Like people need to. It's it's just crazy how people um people will just you know look past the idea of having two good goalies instead of one, and like especially yeah. Hawks fans now because you saw what happened when we had Crawford and Leonard. You can steal games like that when you have two good goalies like that, and one can come in every night, one can even come in relief for you. The Hawks did it for the last, like, seven years, I'd say, since the second cup. They've had a second goalie that's – when they're good, they have a second goalie that can come in and play 30 games or so. So Even, like, the 2013 season, Ray Emery got yeah. Vesna votes. <laughs> Ray Emery was great. And then you had, you had Ronta, you had Darling. You, and like, I know, obviously, there's a shelf life on Darling, but they just need another guy like that. And Subban's a contract that you can either bury or you can probably trade to another team because he's only making, like, 850. That's another thing with the goaltending too. You, even if you get another goalie, you're only going to be spending like probably six mil net max, like for both yeah. of your guys. I think you look at trading Delia. I think you can keep Subban as, as like a no, third string Delia, goalie, but we need a free Delia. Free Delia. Pierce, we can't. No. No, you're oh, right. we, gotta, no. we gotta. No, 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 no. We can't. No, no, no. 
Don't even make me think about that. I can't even imagine where this team's going to be without Delia. Anyways, um, uh, uh, but in all reality, I think, uh, and this is a guy who's very good when he faces a lot of shots, and I can say that because I watched him in Toronto, James Reimer. He is very good when he faces a lot of shots. Like, no team seems to figure that out. They've played him as a backup every time. He's kind of, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Lankinen, to be honest with you. Like, started off in a team, and this is where Reimer started. Reimer started on a team that let him face a lot of shots, and he was better. Yeah, then that's kind of what Jeremy Colleton's system is, and I hate to admit it, he's, it's kind of a Randy Carlisle system where you face a ton of shots. No, it's not. I don't. But the thing is, I don't think Colleton is trying to be Randy Carlisle. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to do that. But that's sort of uh, it's the end product. Is you're getting you're getting a team that faces a ton of shots that scores opportunistically. So I, I think that you need a guy like Reimer who can play kind of a one A one B the way he was a bit with Mrazek last year. And I think that's a perfect fit for Kevin Lankin and to have a, sort of a 1A, 1B, except I think Lankin is going to get more of the starts, I would think for sure. You know, like you said, kind of a 45-35 kind of thing. That would be perfect, too. Like, that really would be perfect for a guy who's just just getting into the league. And, you know, I was looking at it um, at Crawford's uh, old starts, because, Pierce, you mentioned 57 starts was what Kevin Lankin is on pace for. Crawford actually started 57 games in his first two years in the NHL. However, you look at his AHL time, he started 60 games in a year. He played like 60, 50 something. you look at the second year, he played 57 games. He wasn't as good. Like when he had a. In 2012, no. And and here's the thing, too. Lankinen has not played that kind of workload in the AHL before now. Crawford was doing that in the AHL before this. Lankinen has never had a workload like this. I don't think he even had it overseas. I can double check, but he's never had a workload like this. So I don't think that it's, I don't think that he can't do this in the future, but right now he has to adjust to that. So we're seeing, like you said, we're seeing what a workload can do to a goalie. So I, yeah, yeah, I I think you get a guy like Reimer or you, you said Ranta, if they can get Ranta as a backup, if they really can, that's fantastic because he. The guy has a nine twenty save percentage. He has a nine twenty. Throw a five mil at a guy like Ranta, and I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Well, think like, about combined some stability. Five, what does Lincoln get? Like he's still that's, under. No, that's what I was saying earlier. You'd still only be paying six mil yeah. for your goaltending, which is yeah. so good. Like. Yeah. And you and you get two very good goalies for six mil, which is what you were paying for one for both goalies each. You were paying eleven mil for Crawford and Leonard. And not to say that either of these goalies are as good as them, but you you might get that save percentage, right? You might get that, you know, production from them. Yeah. Play no, the I, right way. I agree. And also, I just want to, like, state that I firmly believe I was okay with spending 11 mil on goaltending if the goaltending's that good. Like, if oh. it's Carey Price, it's different. But oh Crawford God. and Leonard were a good ones, too. And you look at these other teams at the trade deadline acquiring more goalies like Toronto when they got Riddish. Now they got like four usable goalies like with Anderson, Campbell, uh, Riddish, and Hutchinson. (laughs) And then you look at Colorado. They have Grubauer. Then they got Dubnik at the trade deadline. I think they got Johansson. Still got Francis on IR. Yeah. Yeah, and you just and like a team like Dallas, I think they had three goalies too. Best ship's been injured, but you still got Kudobin and 
Ottinger, and then you look at uh, again Aaron we brought Carroll. Yeah, again you look at Carroll. Like a lot of teams have uh, depth at goaltending. I think the Blackhawks should do the same. You know, you don't have to go out there and get the best goalie, but just. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of do like a 50 50 split where you get like a 1a 1b kind of situation instead of giving a huge workload to kevin lincoln because earlier on in the season he was fine but now it's definitely caught up to him i'd say yeah the miles are adding up <laughs> by the way um the montreal Canadiens spending 14.85 on a jake allen carry price goaltending oh tandem. my god dude that is insane they yeah, are so the- lucky they have some ridiculous forward contracts on that team mm-hmm <laughs> Dude, look at that Josh Anderson contract. That is not good. I still don't know why they signed that. It sucks because he's actually been good this year. Yeah, I was but like, at least he's good this year. Long-term. Yeah, but like long-term and especially with the way no. he plays, that's not going to be a good contract. That's Probably very, yeah, not, but if they're smart, you can trade him like three years into that deal. Jim Benning is always there, it seems, so. Oh my god. Imagine like trading uh, Josh Anderson to Vancouver for like Niels Hoaglander or something. Oh no. <laughs> The Vancouver Brass thinks that he has a lot of untapped potential. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's like, what is he, like 27, I think. By the way, um, with uh, Carey Price and Jake Allen, you're getting a, an average of 906 save percentage on that tandem. Aren't the, That's the about what we're getting. Even with that, don't yeah. you think? I, I think, yeah, that might be. But uh, yeah, it goes to show you, don't spend, do not spend on goaltending. Especially when they're over 30. Unless you're yeah. like Tampa Bay and Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. I like mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a different animal, man. That's, 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 that's like a baby class there. <laughs> Even um, like Connor Hellebeck, which uh, by the way, Winnipeg Jets, I want to get into them because they're kind of, uh, kind of like losing a few games. They're kind of slumping and they're in that third spot in the North division. Um, and I did like a deep dive on their stats, dude, that, oh man, it's rough there. So I want to read out their, uh, like advanced stats for the first line that they usually go with Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler. So they spent a total of 139 minutes and 19 seconds together on the ice, uh, on five on five. All this is a five on five. Their course four is 49.79. It's not horrible, but when you have that much skill on your line, you expect to be at least bare minimum over 50, but then you get into stuff like goals, four percentage. They've only been on the ice together for five goals on five, five, 11 against, um, expected goals, four percentage, 38.71, um, high digit chances for is 42.86 and then it's just it's ridiculous the PDO is only at 924 which is really really low like when they're on the ice they can't get a save but a lot of that has to do with the amount of chances they give up when they're on the ice so oh man like with just the amount of star power they have with guys like Connor and Shifley Wheeler it's just surprising how they're getting sh- out, like outshot out chance to high hell and like Nick Ehlers, man, that guy does not get enough credit for how good he is. Like he's a positive possession driver on that team. Well, like everyone else is giving up a bunch of chances, and Connor Bellhellebuck is obviously doing his part as well. And I can't wait till uh, Nick Ehlers gets driven out of town and comes to Chicago. Going to be a good time. I would love that. But yeah, Nick Ehlers, he has a fifty-one point nine three Corsi percentage. Um, goals for 66.04. He's been on the ice for 35 goals and 18 against. His expected goals for is 
It's just the the stats he has is really good. And uh, that on my fantasy team. And <laughs> another player that's really interesting, Josh Morey has Morrissey has really struggled since uh, Jacob Truba left town, and I believe it's kind of been the same with uh, Jacob Truba. Like they both uh, liked playing with each other, but uh, since. Uh, Jacob Truba left in 2019. Last year, he had a 48.04 Corsi 4 percentage, and now this year, he has a 45.98 a Corsi 4 percentage. Um, going to expect a goals for last year was 42.99, and then this year, it's 43.81 percentage. Just holy, the Winnipeg Jets, man, they're... They're almost like the Chicago Blackhawks from, like, 2018-2019, where you have an elite goalie... Corey Crawford was Blackhawks, but uh, in this case, it's Connor Hellebuck. But now you have an elite offense that can score goals, but for the life of them, they cannot defend. And that's going to be interesting going into the uh, the first round against Edmonton because I think they have similar possession stats. But, man, if they can't defend McDavid because McDavid, when McDavid's on the ice, it's, like, ridiculous. If they can't contain McDavid, I think they're on the first round. It's going to be interesting because they have a lot of nice pieces, but... Uh, haven't really done much, like, but besides going to the conference final, I think a few years ago, which is interesting. Slow yeah. burn like smoke and mirrors. That's my whole spiel on the Winnipeg Jets. They're not as good as yeah. I I was just gonna say I remember two years, two off seasons ago when they lost uh, Bufflin, Truba, and Myers, and all that, and everyone was like, okay, so who's replacing that on the back end? And I don't think they found a replacement yet for any of that on the back end. Like, Pionk's been good on the power play, but, I mean, they just have no defensive depth. And and I look at that team, and they basically have less defensive depth than the Hawks, I think, which is scary to think about. That's actually scary to think about. The fact that they were almost desperate enough to give up, like, more than a second versus Doroff at the deadline should tell you how desperate that team is for defense. Like, or something. Yeah, but he, they won't play him. So, like, well, but they got big Logan Stanley, so they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and, like, another thing you got to think with Winnipeg is, um, like, this is just looking bad on uh, Shovel Day Off at this point. Because he didn't make any acquisitions to fix the defense in the offseason. He basically doubles down on the forward core and go gets goes and gets Dubois for line A and Roslevic. And looking back on it, you probably didn't even need Paul Stass, and you just needed to figure out how to fix that relationship with Roslevic, and you would have had your second-line center. It, they've just had a lot of things happen this year, and they've had a very good power play, and they've had very good uh, – just they've had a strong top, like, four guys just picking up points every night. But it, it, you can only do that for so long. And like you said, that is kind of like the 18-19 Hawks. Like, unless Kane, DeBrinkett, and Taves were scoring, they weren't winning. That's kind of the way it was, and – you look at the Jets right now, if they're winning, it's usually Mark Scheifele's got three points, Ehlers has got a couple, Wheeler's got three assists, and they're, they won like five to three. That's usually how it goes. And another thing that's going to be interesting with them is I'm pretty sure they have played awful against uh, Edmonton this year. Like yeah, I, I I don't know if they've been awful, but they've been not good against Toronto. They, they haven't won a lot against them. And you're about to be put in a cage with McDavid for seven games, and you're you haven't figured out how to stop him yet, which granted no one has, but if your team can't figure out how to play a better team defense, I don't, I don't see them. Like you said, I agree. I don't see him making it out of the first round, which sucks. Cause they just have, they have so much talent on that team and it's, they have it's a top three goalie. I would say, yeah. Connor Hellbuck's going to start for the U S next year. Like it's not a doubt in my mind. 
Connor Hellebuck's the second best goalie in the NHL, or could be the best. I mean, it's hard to say. Nah, Vasilevsky's in his own Vasilevsky, tier. Yeah. Besides yeah. that, Hellebuck is. Yeah, you take you, away that. You could even make the argument for second. Yeah. Yeah. Vasilevsky's oh, so good that people don't take shots on him anymore. They literally are only looking for the pass because they need to get him down and getting moving. That's which true. even then he still robs wow. you. Like, think I about it. Kane doesn't even shoot that. on Vasilevsky anymore. He takes a second to try to get him down and stuff. Hmm. It's crazy. I don't know. But I wait. Hawks broadcast, like you said, uh, last one, Pierce, bring it back to the Hawks. But the, I just think that like if they get bounced in the first round this year or they somehow fall out of third place, there's got to be questions this offseason. Maurice, shovel day off. I mean, I would keep the forward core, but like you guys got to make a move for a defenseman this offseason. It's unbelievable that they didn't this offseason, especially with what happened in the bubble, too. Because they got spanked by Calgary, and Calgary's not even that good. <laughs> like, come on, guys, something something's got to click here, you Sam know. Bennett was owning them, and and he's doing pretty well in Florida now. Isn't awesome. he? I think he's over point per game. What did we say him, on that trade deadline broadcast? We 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 all said Sam Bennett is such a Coach Q guy, and yeah. just immediate impact in Florida. Good for him. He's Shaw, but like, well, no offense to Shaw, but he's a he's got very like high skill. He does have skill. Shaw was more of just like a, you know, like he's a mutt. He's a dog. He really was a just, he didn't have to have skill. He just earned everything. Sam Bennett has some skill to him. I think Panthers fans would enjoy him over McDavid. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take the Bennett kid in Florida. (laughs) Oh, man. uh, Let's get on to a team that's actually good. The Vegas Golden Knights are on a 10-game winning streak. And you look at that division, like Colorado. Sorry? You look great on Vegas, man. I know. I'm having a lot of fun playing with uh, Max Pacioretty and uh, Mark Stone. It's a lot of fun getting the puck from Shane (laughs) But Vegas, man, you look at Colorado's stats, like they have – their shot share and stuff is ridiculous. Like they're up almost close to 60. But then I look at their goaltending and I don't know, man. Like I think Grubauer – it's not even that I think Grubauer is bad, but it's just what's the likeliness of him staying healthy for a playoff run? And that's the big – question for Colorado because if Grubauer goes out I think Vegas can beat them in a seven game series and even then like if Grubauer is healthy I still would take over either Fleury or Leonard over uh, Grubauer and I don't know I just whenever I think about a Stanley Cup contender team I think of what would happen if a star player went down on their team so let's say Robin Leonard goes down you can go to Marc-Andre Fleury if Alex Petrangelo goes down you can go to Shea Theodore like you need to have a lot of depth and when you go to forwards like if Mark Stone goes down you still got guys like Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall. And I just I always think about that when I'm thinking about who I think is going to win the cup. And Vegas just comes to my mind. Yes, Jimmy. Two harass to Colorado this offseason. Yeah. There, apparently there was rumors that he might have gone to Colorado last year. I just don't know if he leaves Boston, man. I think he's brewing for life. You think so? But the, he didn't seem happy there last. I mean, but, after how the fans treated him when he left the bubble. I don't know, man. I wouldn't like be the too fans happy. treated Tukarask unfairly. Boston, Boston fans, Boston fans most like the meathead Boston fans stink. That's just the way it is. They're good. They're always good fans in every fan base, but the loud minority in Boston is just oof, oof mar. As Steve Dangle say, oof marron. Oh man, just not good. Not good. <laughs> they're mean. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to go to Colorado with Nathan McKinnon? 
Miko Rantanen, Gabe Landeskog, Brandon Saad. Like, you really, if he's there next Sod year, there, you really threw Brandon Saad in there. I mean, if he he's there next year. That next is true. Like, I, I know I'm forgetting somebody else in Colorado. I mean, there's just a team is so deep. But on defense, you've got Kale McCarr. You've got Connor Timmons coming up. You've got Devon Taves. I mean, you got Sam Gerrard's having a hell of a season. Oh, I mean, you're stacked on the – oh, my – he's an afterthought. Like, who wouldn't want to play behind that? Ryan Graves is okay, too. He's, yeah. Eric I mean, Johnson. I don't know much about Ryan Graves, I will admit. I just know that uh, – Plays defense. Loves his hair, right? And he has a high-plus mind. Yeah, he had the highest-plus minus last year. <laughs> That's from that great defensive play. That's all that says. Well, I thought we were talking about Vegas on a 10-game win streak and went to the abs. <laughs> like, oh, but but uh, back to Vegas, like, it's just they have a really deep team. It just seems like they're really good at, uh, again, like, driving possession. They're able to roll four lines smoothly. And I don't know, man, like, uh, I've been thinking about it. I think Vegas is starting to switch to my cup favorite just because, like, they're they have depth everywhere. And, like, especially having that goaltending, I don't know if there's going to be back-to-back games like there was in the bubble last year because there was a lot of that. But if there are back-to-back games on back-to-back nights, I think uh, having two goalies that are playing as good as Leonard Fleury is a huge advantage. Oh, and my cat is here, if you can't hear her. Oh, yeah. I, I agree, though, because, like, it – Vegas has got that Tampa uh, syndrome and that Ca- or Carolina syndrome. I don't know why I'm calling it a syndrome, but they have that next man up mentality to where they can, like you said, they can have a star go down and doesn't bat an eye on them. They've have they have so much depth. Like think about it, if Mark Stone goes down for Vegas, they're like, cool, all right, time for Marshall Show and William Carlson to do what they did three years ago. Yeah, like they they have a whole top line waiting in the ballots if they wanted, and then. Like I, we brought it up um, before the podcast started. They have 17 players with over 10 points. That's insane. Like that's, that's especially an insane in this short amount season. of depth. Yeah. In only 40 something games, and a lot of these guys only played like 27 to 30 because they they're so deep they don't have to play everyone every night. And it's their defense has been six deep since they gotten in the league, which is insane to think about. Uh, like you said, they had the two headed monster in net. Their power play and penalty kill are amazing. The only bad thing about Vegas I can think of is their jerseys are ugly. At least the alternates. <laughs> but, like, man, they're a wagon right now. They are a wagon. And Mark Stone should probably win the Selkie this year with the way he's playing. Okay, but have you considered Nick Foligno and Nico Sturm? <sighs> is Nick Foligno? I'm going, like, Nick, the Evolving Our... Wild's going to be the reason I go to war with advanced stats community, the advanced stats community. <laughs> and the day I go to war with the advanced stats community is going to be ugly. I'm telling Is you. it Nick Foligno who's... No, they're talking. No, they're Marcus, talking Marcus Foligno. Yeah, oh, he's Nick Foligno. I'm like, wait, they're fucking Wild on. fans, and they want to have a Selkie winner on their team. Let's go. It was worth the first round pick. Ugh. Like, I don't even care if they're trolling. That shit's so stupid. Because like, all the rest of their ballots are fine, and then there's the Selkie every year where it's just like, all right, we're gonna put, we're gonna put Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit in the another thing, player funny. was like Logan mm-hmm. O'Connor on Colorado, and he's barely played any games. Andrew year. Cogliano was second. <laughs> like every Stars fan I talked to laughed their ass off when they saw that. I was like, mm. sometimes bar graphs don't tell no, the whole freaking story. You know, Foligno, I will say. He, he, I don't think he played a good chunk of the year. He is a fantastic defensive forward, but the thing is, he doesn't play top line minutes like a guy like Philip Deneau does. Or a really? bunch of other guys like yeah. uh, Sean Couturier, Ryan O'Reilly, Mark Stern. Got it, got it. You know, oh, he plays a lot, but you, 
you need to be able to play a lot to have more impact. You know, if you're only playing like, um, you know, I can check Marcus Foligno's, you know, average time on ice because he is an excellent defensive forward. Um, I believe Lawson Krause is another guy who's very good defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could yeah, be wrong. So Logan O'Connor's only played 22 games this year. <laughs> candidate, remember, so. Yeah, okay. Such a good defensive forward. So good. In fact, that Colorado games. doesn't need him half the nights they play. He's that good, guys. And guess what his time on ice was in his last game that he played? I'm going to go with this. I was about to say, I was going to go with the solid well, four, four minutes and 34 seconds was dude, his time on ice. I, I, dude, I can't do it. I can't do it, man. I'm about wild, to please make sense challenge. Impossible. Like, I'm telling you. I'm about to start biting people. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to let loose, man. This is too much. Marcus Foligno, by the way, let me double check. Is oh no, I forgot. NHL.com app doesn't have average time on ice for some reason, or maybe I'm just missing it. No, uh, they don't. I was literally looking at it like before. By the way, going back to Vegas real quick, I just wanted to uh, bring something up. Um, I remember I was like listening to uh, the hockey, like one of the hockey guy YouTube videos, like earlier today, and they were t- he was talking about how um. If Seattle wants to succeed, like they need to take steps in what Vegas said, and that's not just from drafting. They accumulated Great. all this draft stock and all this talent. They didn't even keep most of it. They ended up flipping that for more players to bring into the organization and build your team. Now, they, I feel like that's a strategy that needs to be looked at more. Like I remember, I remember looking back on it. We were all kind of shocked with how much it costs to get a Mark Stone. Dude, they gave up Brantrum, and I don't even think, don't even think they gave up a first. Yeah, they didn't even give they up a first. They gave up more for Tataran, argue, arguably. Oh, they did. Like, they gave up like a first wait, and second. Up, they didn't give up a first round pick for Mark Stone. No, they didn't. No, and that was like it blew my mind when that happened two years ago. I couldn't believe it. It Mark Stone didn't get a first round pick, but he got a first round pick defenseman. And I mean, look, they got Max Pacioretty for Nick Suzuki. That was another first round pick. Yeah. I mean, obviously these are good players, but. They're well, finding and, yeah. ways to just keep replenishing their team and getting better. And I, mean, I, I got to pride them in that, honestly. <laughs> like, Brandstrom is good, but he's not, not going to be good. Like, how not many Mark players Stone. are as good as Mark Stone? I agree. I just... did have their hands tied because it was, you know, this. it was a complete mess and everybody wanted out of there. Well, I don't know if he wanted out, but teams knew that the position they were in. But you, you still like, – it wasn't like Taylor Hall where he's scoring two goals in the year. It's I'm, sure point for him. I'm, thinking, I'm sorry defending them, but at the same time, though, I kind of have to go back on that because he still is Mark Stone. you got to yeah. get at least a first for him. I remember, um, it's funny, uh, Mark Lazarus said, man, if you're the Hawks, you got to go give up a second at Odan or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. and that's uh, that's what I appreciate. I would, for I'm not even capping. I would have given up a second in Boquist for him. I don't care. Like, oh, I don't care. Boquist that's not going to be Mark Stone. Stone. Like, like I remember preaching it when they said Mark Stone was on the block two years ago in the chat. I was like, That's your "They're salivating over a sod tave stone line." That's your never gonna say it, but... I didn't know how good he was back then, and now I'm so pissed that I wasn't oh, on that. Man, because he was putting up six points here in Ottawa when they were bad. Like, might be my favorite great... to watch besides McDavid. And that's why I applaud Vegas because it just seems like teams are so reluctant to move their prospect. Every team overvalues their prospects. Like, yes, Eric Brandstrom is probably going to be a solid top four defenseman if Ottawa actually plays him, but he's not going to be Mark Stone. Uh, Max Pacioretty is having a career year right now with Vegas. I think he's over point per game. Uh, Like, 
maybe you don't give up Nick Suzuki for him, but like right now it's working. If they, and if they win a cup, it doesn't matter because no, you do give up Nick Suzuki because you have yes, to overpay a little bit sometimes. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. No offense to you, Pierce, but I, I not to you know say you're wrong, but to to your point and to piggyback off of what you're saying, I, I really do think that you get a guy like Nick Suzuki. I think you're right. You you need to give up a little bit to get a little bit, and you're not just getting a little bit. You're getting oh, max like, best. I mean, he does cross check players when they're going for an empty net, but besides that, he's a pretty good player. I don't know, man. And it's just I, I and like it, it, that, and that brings into like future conversations about when superstars get traded. Because like I remember when the Jack Eichel rumors were going on this year, people were like, "Well, I wouldn't give up Kirby Doc for him." I'm like, "Motherfucker, I'm giving up Doc Boquist and like two firsts. I don't I care." It's Jack fucking Eichel going into his yeah. prime on a five-year, four-year deal or something like that, I'm where he's sure. probably underpaid, and people are like, "Well." I don't want to give up my top prospect. Like, Ranger fans were like, I don't know, man. I don't want to give up Kako. Bitch, I'd blast Kako into the sun for Eichel. Eichel. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much people, like, and I get they're young, and there's still, like, time, and they could flourish. I don't know. Kako Kako. You don't take the magic beans. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you can give up. I'm sorry. If they want Lafreniere... Give up Lafreniere. He's a winger. He's a winger, and he's never going to be what Jack Eichel is. Michael would have been a number one pick any other year. You're basically trading one for one. Number one picks. Like, Obviously, we love Kirby Doc. Is Kirby Doc ever going to be what Eichel is? No, I don't sorry. know that. We don't know that. It's magic beans. And it just, like Pierce said, it boggles my mind that so many franchises want to stick to their guns with their guys rather than take a chance in getting a player who's already proven an impact your team. But I guess you could have a Matthew Shane situation. But, like, if you know it's, like, a hit, like Mark Stone. I don't know, man, because I understand that there are questions about, you know, Eichel's personality thing, and I've thought about it, too, because, you know, look what happens when he's not there. I also think that's more Don Granato. Um, just, you know, you, well, two things. You could only go up from where you were, and I think that Don Granato is doing much better than Ralph Kruger was. It seems like they were a bit uh, complacent under Ralph Kruger. Um, it just kind of seems like that, the way a lot of Sabres fans were talking. And so, yeah, there's a bit of a question there, but you've seen what Jack Eichel can do. And, yeah, maybe Kirby Doc can get to that level, but you know what you're getting in Jack Eichel. Is our say you give up a first round pick, two first round picks? Are either of those first round picks going to be Jack Eichel? Probably not. Like I you're, you're getting the 15th pick. You're not getting a Jack Eichel with those picks. And you can go and you can get look guys. You can get guys in the second round. You have guys like Philip Kurashev and go get guys know, in Europe and Philip. Like, go go get a Kubalik. Like you can get guys to surround him. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to, to. Those first round picks aren't as valuable as you think they are. No. No, and I remember there was a conversation a few years back I, on the Dangle podcast where they were talking about, um, like, honestly, think about it. When there were, like, offer sheet jokes about Matthews and McDavid and whatnot, it was like, I would give up four firsts for Matthews, a guy like that talent. Yeah, it, because think about it. First of all, you're not going to be a bottom feeder probably. So those aren't going to be, like, unless you stink one year, it's not going to be a bunch of top five picks. You're getting a proven player who's going to be going into their prime probably. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I remember someone compared it with the Hawks if the Hawks ever did one. Because, like, let's be honest, if the Hawks were, like, still good, I would have offersheeted any one of those dudes two years ago. Because, yeah. I mean, what's the what's the worst? Like, I remember someone said, like, what's the last four Hawks first-round picks before Boquist and Doc? And it's like, 
Uh, okay, we got... It was like Hartman, Schmaltz, and Yankee Haru. Yeah, like, I'd trade all those in a fucking heartbeat for, like, a Matthews or an Eichel. I would so. trade all those for half of Matthews, you and know? that's an offer sheet, so it's different, but, like, it's just, it, it, it's crazy to think about that sometimes. Especially when, like, teams are pretty well off. Like, well, and I guess that, 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 that's the case for Vegas, too, because Vegas had the had the leeway to where even if they didn't win on the trade, they could kind of give up the capital. But you follow the NFL mm-hmm. stuff like this happens all the time. Yeah. And it's fun. I'm sorry. The NFL, the NFL. Yeah. Is look dope. at dude. Look at Aaron Rodgers today. Yeah, Literally just, he, he just murmured in the franchise. He wants out and it's the biggest news on draft day. Listen, like, like there, there are so many, like, how do I say this? There are so many issues with the NFL right now. We know that college football is better. However, that is one thing that the NFL does better. And that's that the GMs know how to have fun. The NHL needs that. I want to see three first round picks getting NBA flipped. knows how to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my NBA, God. every trade deadline, someone's giving up something for someone. What's yeah, like four first round picks. Some, someone said it perfectly um, at the trade deadline this year with the Mantha trade. They were like, this is a good trade. This is like this is an NHL comparison for a blockbuster. This would be like a middling dude in the NBA getting traded. Like, yeah. there are blockbusters that happen in the NBA on a yearly basis. And Granted, there are two rounds. But like James Harden got traded this year. Like, think about that. If this is in hockey terms, that would be like Steven Stamkos getting traded. Do you think that, that's that... Not, this doesn't happen? Do you think I, first guess, I guess Eric Carlson happened, but you know. Do you think first round picks are more valuable in the NBA? Because I mean, there's only no. two rounds. No, okay. I, I honestly think picks aren't like picks could be more valuable in the NBA. But if I was an NBA GM and I had a team that was good, I'd be flipping picks every year. Like, yeah. Sorry, the, be- the team that like, and you have teams like the Thunder who pull in a bunch of picks, which is good for a young rebuilding team. So there's 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 two sides of the coin, obviously. But if you're a good team in the NBA, they throw away their picks every year. They don't give a shit. They're like, okay, we'll pick a dude up in free agency. Paul George, who had a bunch of picks flipped for them. Who was yeah. it? No, was Paul it George Paul? got like like go look at the trade package for Paul George that the Thunder got. There's not been a package like that in an NHL trade ever. I don't think. And, and, and you know that George is not even the biggest star. You I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I don't follow the NBA. Well, look at the Anthony Davis trade. George like, is not, like, you know, the Connor McDavid of the NBA or anything close to it. Great player, yes, but, you know, not even close to, uh, yeah. I, would, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, from what I know, like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. You guys go ahead, but I'm going to pull like up. Mm-hmm. I, I want to so, pull up. Back to, back to offer sheets. I looked up the Tampa Bay Lightning, and in three years, they have two RFAs that are coming up. Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev. Like, if I'm Chicago, I offer sheet both Sorelli and Sergachev. Make Tampa choose one of them. And well, San Jose. Get, yeah, it was like the San Jose situation. You could have offer sheet LeBanc and, and Meyer and make San Jose choose one of them. Well, no, yeah, I, you, I meant what... They did to the Hawks in 2010. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They offer sheeted Jalmerson and Niemi, and they were like, "Do one, and we'll take the other." Yeah, exactly. That's what the Blackhawks need to do. Like, because really, how good are these first round picks going to be? Are they going to be better no than first Sorelli round picks going to be Mikhail Sergachev? Yeah, or right. even Anthony Sorelli for that matter. You know, like just I wish I would see more creativity in these GMs. Pierce, yeah, you like, I give I give Mark Bergevin credit for at least trying an offer sheet. Yeah, Might have been the same. Yeah, but that was. It was a fun, it. it was an awful one though. Like, it, no, it was uh, the safest offer sheet you can do. Yeah, at least exactly. someone did something. You know what I mean? With that stacked of a RFA class, at least someone tried. You know what I mean? 
Man, NHL has such low standards for fun when it comes to players yeah. or moving players and transactions, trades, signing. Well, signings, they're just dumb. But the trades, the interaction with other GMs, the uh, moves, it's so boring. By the way, uh, Pierce, uh, Paul George went to the Clippers for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five first-round picks. Oh, I believe it, man. That's crazy yep. in the NBA. Like every other year too, so they got first round picks going to uh, the Thunder to like twenty twenty seven. I think they don't give a shit. They don't give Dude, a they shit. They don't give a they single fuck, and it's because they know they the, you know your window in the NBA. You know what your window say, is. Like, yeah, like the GMs are going. Oh, I want to have fun, but like it's fun because it's fun for us because they know. Yeah, we need to make crazy moves if we want to win. Because you know what the end goal is? It's winning the championship. And if we yeah. get this guy. We're fine giving up that many picks because we won the championship. Does not that, matter. And like I, it just it, and there's also the other side of the argument. There's the devil's advocate side where people will say, okay, well, Batman's always been trying to go for every team as a chance to win every year, blah blah blah. And you can look at the NBA and it's super top heavy and super bottom heavy. And I know they, I know every every sport wants to get away from a world where everyone tanks every year and whatnot. But I mean. If that if that's the price you pay for having excitement and having actual trades that impact and having actual like think it would be like if the Avs the the Golden Knights the Lightning the Panthers the Hurricanes and like three teams in the East and the Leafs all just bought every single free agent this year or every single person at the deadline all only those teams did and every other team sold off that would be Dude, what that would be like there's so much full parity in this league. And it, and that's the problem, though. But I guess that's a good thing because you. Ha- it, I guess that is a good thing, though, because in this league you have eight seeds that can beat one seeds, which doesn't happen in the NBA. But you, how about this? Let's have parity. Let's also have, let's also have GMs just going bonkers, just making huge trades for players. Man, we need more. We need more Kelly McCrimmons and George McPhee's. We need less Ken Hollins. Let's put it that way. Oh my god. We need or, less or picking and choosing your years to compete, and we need people just saying. Fuck it, our team's gonna make the playoffs. We or no more Yarmo Kekalainen's even. Fuck it, oh, Kekalainen yeah. knows when to sell and when to buy. We need more GMs like that. You know what I mean? That's very true. And it, dude, even like Stan Bowman, the years they were winning, he was yeah. not afraid to go for it. Like Every I'll year. never sell him. For- yeah. And it might not have been the biggest piece, but like, go look at those cup wins. Michael Hanzus, Antoine Vermette, like. Johnny Oduya, I'm pretty sure, was a pickup one trade down. Yeah, I think they traded two seconds for Oduya, and, like, you can fault Bowman, but he was never afraid to go for it. What do we always say? What do we always say? They overpaid for Vermette. Who cares? Who cares? Like, like, it does not matter. But you're never going to, like, that's why I give teams like Vegas and Boston – and teams that always, if they're in it, they're going for it. Like, that's why, like, I feel like I was one of the few people, as soon as that Washington trade happened, I was defending Washington. I was like, look, they realized their window with Ovechkin. They're trying to capitalize on it right he's now. He's literally a UFA this year. Yeah, well, like, you know what I mean, though? Like, he's getting old. Like, yeah. And, and obviously, he's not going to slow down. But, like, the whole team as a whole is getting old. Their window's closing. So... I man, we just need we just need more teams that capitalize on their windows and not think, okay, well maybe next year. Like, 
Or, you know, like, what? they don't sell off because they think they're going to be fine. Like, the Canucks. Like, the Canucks, like, what What was the thing Um, was it three years ago where Jim Betting's like, well, look at our last ten games. We'll be good next year. Like, Yeah, they oh, didn't trade. I think it was 2016. They didn't trade Hamuster or Verbata. That's a throwback. Oh, my oh, God. They can't do stuff like that. It's like the Hawks not trading. Um, It's like. I, 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 I can anybody. about this all day. It's just, you know. Yeah, I, I, I did give Vegas a bit of flack when they brought in Petrangelo, and I was saying, well, you know, like you're you're getting too business orientated, and you're not thinking about the players and how this might affect them because you're just kind of moving a guy like you're just getting rid of a guy like Schmidt. But that I honestly look back and I'm like, that's kind of that hockey guy in me that's been there because you know we're we're so used to. We're so used to um, that being the norm. You know, you don't want to, you know, make too many big moves. You don't want to shake things up at all. But you know what, man? Get, get Alex Petrangelo. I don't know. I, I've heard he's not doing too well this year. But in theory, but if they if they win a cup, then who cares? It, it, it hypes your team up too. It hypes your team up too. Like people will say, like I know you said, like it could affect the locker room when a guy like Schmidt leaves. But you also got to think it, it's a huge thing for the locker room where it's like, okay, we lost in the conference final last year, and our GM said, "Fuck it, we're gonna go get the biggest free agent there is," I and we know how close you are. Like, we're gonna double down. Hey guys, you want one of the best two-way defensemen in the league? Here you go. Let's go win a damn cup. Literally, like it, more teams need to do that. Like I want to huh. see a team like call like let's say Colorado gets bounced in the conference final next year, this year, right? They lose to Vegas or they lose to um, like Tampa in a bloodbath, and they're sitting there and they're like, "All right, we need one more piece to get over the hump," and they're like working on their extensions and whatnot, and they just say, "Fuck it, we're bringing Taylor Hall in for three years." Like we need something like that with teams where they just say, "You know what? Screw it." Like a Carolina, even someone like that. Like Tampa yeah. did it. Tampa, Tampa made their move to say, "Fuck it, we're contending for the next future." When they made that McDonough deal, that was them saying, "We are putting our foot down and we are winning a Stanley Cup eventually." That's another and one you have to give a little bit less crap to. I that. don't understand the Goudreau one as much, but Coleman and Goudreau—they're just like, "Screw it, we need those guys." We feel Dude, we literally. That's the perfect example, actually. Yeah. That is the perfect example. That is the perfect yeah. example. That was that was an but NBA like, those for them. guys. But they said, "Fuck it, they want this year to be their year to win," and they traded those picks because they could. GMs are scared. They're scared. They're scared, man. Yep. Dude, give up. Give up the barn. If this is your year, why not go for it? Why not? Why not? Even though they're in a bit of flux right now, even Arizona, like last year when they acquired Kessel and Hall. Like... I got props. Like, at least you tried. Like, yeah. shit. It may not have worked, really but at Kessel least you took the swing. You know what I mean? You took the, you took the great leap forward. And tried. Like, mm-hmm. man, they more that. And you were talking about the Avs with Taylor Hall. They tried to sign him in the offseason. They tried to they're, get him. They're already on that trajectory, dude. Or, like, I guess Colorado is better one would just be to go get the best goalie in free agency. So, I guess I guess you're right, Jimmy. Go get Tuka Rask. That would be their way of saying, all right, we're going right. for the Cowboys. You, ha- you need one more piece. You need one more piece, and that piece is a goalie. Go throw money throw money at the best goalie or throw picks at whatever team has the best goalie to offer. You know what? Yeah. If you feel like if you think, well, Columbus looks like they may be willing to get, you know, maybe willing to uh, rebuild completely and Corpus Isle's not in their plans. Jonas Corpus Isle is a guy who doesn't get injured very often and is very good. Go for that guy. Yep. I, and I just, I hope more teams wake up to that eventually. That's all I hope because you know who, 
You know who was an RFA goalie that Colorado could go after and maybe not uh, give up the barn? Someone like uh, Igor Shosturkin, UC Saros, uh, Elias Sorokin. Ah. Like I don't. No, but... I don't think they're going to be able to get an RFA goalie. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. obviously they have the draft prospects and the capital, and like, mm-hmm. like they could do I it. But I just don't see those teams parting with those goalies. Especially oh no, with like no, a no, circuit. But... There's no way. Uh-huh. But at least like try, man. Like Our, offer sheet, I guess. Like yeah. yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess that makes more sense. Like an offer at sheet. Least, on just at something. least like force them to do something. You know. Yeah. Force yeah. the Rangers to overpay him. Fuck it. Do it. Like, what's <laughs> what's the worst that's going to happen to you? You'd have at a goal. Least... Oh no, but but Dylan, then the GM's not gonna like him because he did a thing that he's allowed oh, to no. do. No, good thing there are twenty nine other GMs you can fleece after that. Grow the fuck up. I'm so sick it's of these so... GMs being like, I have my circle of five guys I like to trade with because they're my friends and they treat me nice. Fuck you. Try to go around the whole league. It's I'd be so calling every team there is. It's so passive. It's so weak and boring. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but shut up. Like, do your <laughs> Like hey, it is on, guys. It's a players stick. And you're too afraid to call Joe Schmo because you know well he might not like me after I trade for his best player. Come on, guys. There's a code they gotta respect. Obviously, they can't do that. Yeah, yeah, like, you don't want to be the next guy that gets fleeced by Joe Sackick. Like, oh man, Joe Sackick is another great example, by the way. Traded two seconds for Demontes. He knew what his team needed. Got Dude, more. He literally flips the door off Got sod and then trade draft picks for like, Demontes. Literally galaxy. <laughs> I hate that man. I hate that man. <laughs> and to think he was a laughing stock four years ago. Look what happens when you take a chance. And his chance was selling. Before. He was selling. And he fuck. Oh man. Dude, here's the thing. Like, I understand being patient, but when you have that good of a team, go for it. Like once you build up a once you build up enough assets like Colorado has, dude, fucking go for it, dude. <laughs> It's not even like, and it's not like a Washington thing where this, or a Pittsburgh thing where this could be their last year being good. Nah, everyone on that team is under 30. They're going to be competing for a lot of years. Fuck it. Try this year. Try next year. Try the year after that. Like, you it's, know not, who, it's not a multi-year thing when you're good. Just focus on that season. Focus you know who on Colorado just, focus on next season. Next you season. know who Colorado just signed that hasn't even played on their team yet? Uh, Barry Boulay. Not Barry no. Boulay. Uh, Newhook? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, oh, I always get Parade away and New Hook mixed up for some reason. The guy and then they got Shane Bowers in the system as well. Martin Cowboy, I think they're playing. <laughs> I think Shane Bowers still is still a Simmons is like an eighth defenseman, too. Oh my gosh, this team. Well, Shane so Bowers sad. has basically been a Blackhawk in our heads for like the longest time. It was when Zod was going to get traded, and it was when it was Zadorov. My, oh no, not Zadorov. Oh my God, I'm thinking of Winnipeg. But like, because Sod was rumored to that team so much, and then it was like, yeah, we'll get Shane Bowers back. We'll get Shane Bowers back. Are you sure Bowers went the pick before Yokiharu? Oh no! Yeah, I think so. Or because it wasn't the pick after. So. No, it was before. I yeah, think it was one pick before. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Tolvin and Costin went after. Wasn't yeah, it Tolvin was after? after. Right. Definitely right. Because I remember all of us wanted Tolvin in, and then he went right afterward to Nashville. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good thing we kept Yoki Haru, and he's a good top four defenseman for us, so you know. Yeah, man, he's great. It's not like Buffalo ruined him or we ruined him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Connor McDavid, do you think he hits 100 points? He has yes, nine indeed. games to do it, and he only has to. Yeah, dude. A... You want... oh, hey, Pierce, Pierce, Pierce. Yeah. Well, no, so, fun fact. So you always doubt me for my love for hockey gear, right? I mean, it's a pretty well-known thing if you listen to the podcast, or maybe yeah, not well-known, but if you listen enough, you, you've maybe heard it now and then. Uh, so Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid. Um, so if you look at his stats using a new curve on his stick, 
Uh, he had three points in three games, which for Connor McDavid, not very good. He switches back to his old curve, and uh, let's see, let's see, goals. Oh yeah, what's that? Four? Oh, six? Oh, what? Oh my goodness, nine points in three games back with his old curve. Oh, Pierce, that's so crazy how gear. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, Pierce, what was the stat you said? It was 15 points in 15 periods. No, yeah, he's had 15 points in the last 15 periods, which is, translates to 15, 15 points in five games. Pierce, Insane. my entire point. Insane. Hockey is, it's like I always say, it's about the gear, not the player. Like yeah. everybody says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, but I, I mean, like, God, we are just so blessed that have, like, C- Connor McDavid in this league and just. Dylan, he, I know that you and I have said Crosby. He keeps getting better, man. He just keeps getting better. Dylan, I know that you have said this, and I've generally agree that Crosby is better than McDavid because of his, you know, he's not a more way player. No, I, I've like I'm not trying to be stats boy, graphs and all that. Just looking at the possession he's had, because that's why I question him. Like, well, you know, he, he I, I don't know if he's as good of a possession player as Crosby. I don't know if he drives play as well as him, you know, having the ability to keep the puck in the zone on the boards and all that. Play. No, no. <laughs> he is he may be the most skilled player that has ever stepped on ice ever. And he's I heard on, a lot of people saying not McKinnon. on a good team. I you talk to anyone who's watched all the greats play, like I talked to like I, I've talked to my dad because he's seen Gretzky and Lemieux play live. He said he's the third best player he's ever seen. Like it's just simple and as that. Because and no one's there's never been a player like McDavid before. That's this fast, this dynamic, this skill with the puck that can think that like obviously every other star's had at least one of those, but the fact that he can connect all that with this top speed that he has is just and oh I remember I remember I'm, everyone saying McKinnon better than McDavid. I'm like, are you sure about that? As I, as okay, listen, listen, listen. We're gonna be I hearing that for the rest of McDavid's career, by the way. Just <laughs> who's the next McDavid? No one, bitch. He's in his own echelon. <laughs> there was a time in the offseason where I was like, oh, maybe McKinnon is like a little bit better for this one year. And I feel I will never ever say that again. I I am eating those words. Completely, and I'm fine with it because, man, I, I he's the most fun player to ever watch, ever, ever. Um, I want, or go ahead. I want to bring up something uh, interesting fact about that specifically. McDavid has 23 more points than McKinnon, by the way. He has like 16 more points than anyone in the league, and the next 17. closest guy is on his team. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, silly. I don't. He's just so good. Like it, it, it there, he really is in his own tier of skill. And I know people said that for the last few years. It's just shown this year flat out. Because think about it. He's got what eighty four now in forties. I want to say forty seven. I think he's got eighty four and forty seven. Yeah, yeah, Dude, if he ended, if that's a full season. That's usually like amazing for any normal NHL player. He's played right, guys. games. Of course, they're <laughs> adjusted like any uh, like any kind of uh, you know adjusted stats are going to be um, you know they can never be perfect. However, um, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, this comes from James Myrtle. Connor McDavid is having the ninth best season ever in points adjusted for era via hockey underscore ref. Only Gretzky and Lemieux have had ahead of him. Yep. He is the. He has to be at least the third best player to ever play. And, One of the most gifted offensive and, players this league's ever going to see. And he's not even 25, I'm pretty sure. Nope, just turned 25 this year, I think. Just turned 25. 
Because I was like, even, when, if you look at that Myrtle stat, his um, he and Gretzky both are on that list at twenty five. So, wait, yeah, who just true. turned twenty five? I think yeah. McDavid just turned twenty five. He's twenty four. Like, so stupid. You can't even run a car no. in the States. Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I know we talked about a bit how the uh, player's prime is a little bit – is kind of shifting being a little bit earlier than we have thought. And we, you know, it's, it's always all around 30-ish. But guys like McDavid and Kane and Crosby, they can get better. They don't have that same trajectory. They're different players. They get better as they get older. Yeah, and McDavid, McDavid doesn't play physically. He's not going to have a problem with that. He's not getting banged up because he's so fast you can't touch him. Yeah, I think I think my favorite is like when you look at his like um his advanced stats or whatnot, and people will say, I I know the J Fresh chart, he has like a zero on defense or oh, whatever, no, like a three. Sorry, and people are like, You can't play defense. I'm, I'm like, dude, it there. doesn't matter how he plays no. defense if ninety-five percent no. of the time he's got the puck and trying to score on you. I don't give I'm sorry, J Fresh can kiss my ass. I am so tired of that, man. No. Yeah, we're going to on the podcast you can see that too. No, no, no. I would gladly have Evolving Wild in the podcast. I do not like Jay Fresh. I do not like Jay Fresh. Um, but, yeah, when you have – when your Corsi relative is 22 above the rest of your team, you probably have the puck a lot. He's a good hockey player, I'd say. <laughs> Let me Pretty list good. off his advanced stats. 54.31 Corsi 4 percentage. Uh he outscores the opponents 53 to 37 when he's on the ice. His expected goals for percentage is 56.3. <laughs> Scoring chances for 55.36. High danger chances for 56.75. High danger goals for is 24 to 20 against. It's just ridiculous how good he is. He's it's, not a, it's not even close. It's insane. It's insane. And think about it. He's, I think, second in goal scoring, too. <laughs> If like, you take out, if you take out, away his assist, he's like still fifth. I he's think. The, I'm pretty sure he's, goals, like, he's still fifth. I'm pretty, right? I'm pretty sure like, he's in top the top ten in scoring. Top, yeah, he's top ten in scoring. So, if he didn't have any, uh, if he didn't have any goals, he'd still have more more points than Miko Ranson and Alexander Barkov, Jake Gensel, Max Pacioretty, Sebastian Aho, Nicholas Backstrom. <laughs> and which, by the way, Adam Fox has forty. Dude, Adam Fox needs to win the Norris. Forty-seven points, forty-nine games, and I was like, gonna bring that up. Like he, I, I thought I was gonna bring that up on when we were talking about um just like McDavid and whatnot, and if he's getting a hundred, because I I love how it's becoming a debate all of a sudden when like the stats have shown that the Lightning are better when Hedman's like not on the ice with them, which is shocking. But I mean. You look at those two teams. Obviously, the Lightning aren't the same without Hedman. But you take Adam Fox away from that Ranger team this year, they're oh, they are they're, nowhere they're not close even in it. Nowhere close. He is, and, and and the thing is, it's not even just the power play either. He's getting a lot of this five on five. It it it's it's crazy, man. Like I, I did not expect Adam Fox to take this big of a jump. I'm gonna read his stats again. 51.39 Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, he outscores the opponent 38 to 24 on the ice. Expected goals for 55.65. Um, high danger chances 4 percentage 54.17. High danger chances goal 4 percentage 61.76. So he's oh, pretty good. Are we talking, this is even strength, right? Sorry? This is even strength, right? Yeah, all even strength. Yeah. Everything, every stat I read is even strength. I do need to say I did mess up a little bit on the McDavid stat. So his, I may have been looking at all strengths when I mentioned the twenty-two. However, um, I'm I'm so sorry that his relative goes all the way down to 
ten percent above relative teammates. Which I look at it is no, he's no, um, he's no Valerie then. Sorry, his season right now is uh, his relative is just under Crosby's best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that is so. Remember. Crosby was, and well, I could double check. Crosby wasn't playing on a team like this. No. Like this, no, Crosby, he had a bad, Crosby he like a- after his like third year, Crosby was on god teams. Yeah. Like, his first two years they sucked, and then after that they were really good. So, yeah, oh, man. <laughs> I know, again, I know we are just so blessed that we have a new generation, athlete. like such a good new generation of talent. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, Matthews, uh, yeah. David, Drysidle. You got McKinnon, Rantanen, Aho, Barzell, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. Like, just we are sad. And then you still got like the young. You got young guys who still can prove themselves too. It's. <laughs> I forget if I was talking to you, one of you guys, or uh, Q. And the thing is, Patrick Kane or Sidney Crosby changed possession. Yeah, we were talking Patrick about this. Kane, Kane yeah, set a generation. Yeah, Patrick Kane changed how players handle the puck in the generation for younger players. McDavid changed how fast the game is. Matthews is changing how players shoot. Like, we have guys who are, you see them actively changing the fundamentals of the game. It's insane. The thing that always makes me laugh about Matthews is I'm pretty sure this guy didn't have a one-timer in his arsenal the first two years he was in the league. No, he didn't. He <laughs> didn't use his one-timer for, like, it's two never, years. It is, I've yeah, never and then put him in the corner. Like, oh my God! It's like handcuffed. I've never seen a guy who learned how to take a one timer at the age of twenty one as an NHL player, but he did. He wouldn't take one timers; he would slingshot it, which is also a thing that people are now doing because of him. Shots the league. <laughs> you, you, you see, players are learning to shoot like him because of that, because nobody did that slingshot kind of shot, and now he has a one timer. Like his one timer, his one timer is ridiculous. It's ridiculously good, and he just learned how to do it. He's otherworldly it's another yeah. thing uh, mcdavid who i think he was told in his one of his first two years they're like you need to like you need to learn to take the shot players teams aren't respecting your shot like they're not worried about you shooting oh never mind he'll just go and get one of the best wrist shots in the league no yeah care. like next year he'll go get 43 goals or whatever he got that one year so it's just <laughs> unreal it's unreal and they're, and they're getting better every year too it's insane the, great, the thing about the best players in the NHL, they always find a way to evolve their game. I always think about Crosby, his first year, had like 102 points, I think. His face-offs were not good, and then like the next year, it goes up to 50%, and Crosby's like, okay, I've got a heart, I've got an Art Ross, now I want to start scoring goals, and I think he tied Stamkos for the Rocket Richard, and it's he like... He won uh, one. Yeah, he did. He's won two, I think, and... Uh, there was a couple of years where he kind of, where they where the Penguins got bounced out in the uh, thir- like the first round against Philadelphia, I think it was, mm-hmm. and um, he's like, okay, I need to become a more complete player, and uh, they, he wins back to back Stanley Cups and Conn Smythe's, and it's just like he always finds a way to elevate his game, and I think a couple of years ago it was like he probably could have he probably should have been nominated for Selkie. It's just crazy yeah, how he always elevates his game. I'm going to be a great two-way player now. I'm going to be one of the best two-way players in the league right now. Uh, you know, like, suck at Jonathan Taves. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I did the opposite of Taves. Taves stopped playing defense in his career, late in his career. Now yeah. Crosby's like, I'm going to start playing defense. But I just think it's funny because, like, the second Taves stopped playing defense like a horse, he just his offensive numbers started going up a bunch, so... 
But, uh, oh, yeah. If Connor McDavid does not finish first on everyone's uh, ballots, what the hell is wrong with them? Get, like, your, get your voting rights taken away from the yeah. Association. Oh, I actually made another uh, miscalculation. So, oh, no, no. Looking at uh, you, Toronto writers. Um, no, McDavid's, uh, McDavid's possession stats are better than anything Crosby ever had. My bad. I'm like, yep. I'm like, re- it's so hard with natural stature because there's so many little, uh, there's so many little um, factors to calculate it. Yeah, no, it's he's 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 better, he's he's gonna be better than Crosby ever was. Like that's insane to say. Crosby was terrifying to watch as a kid, and mm-hmm. McDavid is somehow leagues better than that already at the age of twenty-four. Maybe not leagues better, but I don't know, man. There's just there's just something about how dominant he is. I, I don't think I've ever watched a player in my lifetime who dominates the game more than he does. He can take the puck and he can just, it's a video game to him. Yeah, it's him and Crosby, at least for what I've seen, from who I've seen in my lifetime. Those are the only two. So if anybody ever throws Ovechkin in that conversation, I will actually eat a shoe and I will I will eat a second one if someone says it again. Ovechkin's I, the best goal scorer of all time. Like, he it. doesn't need he doesn't need an argument. You know what I mean? Just, he does not need to be put he's, in this He's done enough. Yeah. He's okay, but he doesn't he doesn't win the big he doesn't win the big games though. Yeah, but is it time for the Alex Ovechkin experiment to end? That's You're the right. question. I think it was a Steve Dangle podcast the year they lost to the Penguins again. Yep. They said should we trade Ovechkin and literally the next year they won. Oh my god, no. I remember that because someone did a mock trade where it was like, he'll go to the Hawks and we have to trade a cap to get it. So it would be Seabrook and Isimov. Like oh I think it was like Schmaltz and a first. And I was like I looked at, I sent that to Connor and I was like, Oh, what do you think of this? And like at the time he was like, Oh, I mean that, that wouldn't be terrible, but we're not trading Ovechkin. Well this is before Seabrook fell off a cliff, too, to be fair. So this is the right. season this is right before Seabrook fell off a cliff. You think he was coming off a fifty point or forty point season, so and like uh, it, but, oh my maybe. god, dude. Just like like I was telling Pierce before you got in here, Jimmy, like yeah. Day the NHL gets mainstream media time is the day Alex Ovechkin says he's done with the league. Because if he pulls something that Rogers pulling is pulling right now, where he's like, "Yeah, I'm not resigning with the Caps. I don't want to go there. I'll, I want to walk." Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin have to retire the same year. I don't care. They have they to. You should just go. They, no, 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 no. They, 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 <laughs> they need to play the last regular season game together. Yes, the last. No, even better, they face each other in the playoffs somehow, some way. I mean. Though. Right. But like at least guarantee, like they're making the schedules. Please at least guarantee there's a final yeah, regular season oh, game. Oh yeah, when they're like saying yeah. it's like, oh, this is my last year or whatever. Like NHL scheduling, make it happen. Oh, sorry, the Capitals Penguins game in uh, November seventeenth is getting postponed due to mono concerns. We will have the uh, Caps Pens game put at the end of the season in April fifteenth or whatever. <laughs> like they just like move a game in November all the way back and just in advance oh, so they back, know. But just for one game. Don't I worry. Mean, we know they can do it. We see what they've done with Vancouver. Vancouver schedule so <laughs> i wouldn't care if they literally just went like oh yeah by the way we're just we're just going to reschedule it just for the sake of this like nobody would complain nobody would complain like here's the thing edmonton mcdavid gets to play against vancouver four times in like the last couple yeah. weeks i'm pretty sure oh yeah here's we're talking Hold about up, where is he at right now like he's gonna get it in like he's gonna he's get it in six games he's getting yeah, six games. how many games did he have left oh uh, nine but he's Afro getting up the Canucks. He's yeah, getting, he he just has to go two points a game. 
Yeah, and like for any other player ever, that's like what? Like, are you on drugs? But since it's McDavid, I love how we say like it's like it's no big deal. I love how we just go any other player. You say that no big deal. Even you say that for Kane, it's like oh, Kane just needs two points a game down the stretch. Like you've seen him do it, but just like you don't like expect that. McDavid, we all just expect it now. We're just like okay, yeah, that's easy. Two points a game sounds like not enough. It's not even that. It's not even like two points a game though. It's like he can have a game where he has one point or no points. Just gonna have a game where he has like five, so it's like he'll just make up for it. Remember the first game in the bubble? I think McDavid had four points, and it was like McDavid just didn't have a good enough game. Yeah, and then the next game he was like, "Fine, I'll get a hat trick and make sure." Yeah. We win. So who said he didn't have a good enough game? I don't it... remember who it was, but like... I, I <laughs> gotta be like just looking at those pictures of McDavid on the bench. The just media, deflated. just deflated, just like mainstream media. That's who it was. Connor McDavid must have been pissed in August last year. He's like, dude, I literally was averaging three points a game, and we like he was leading the playoffs in scoring up until the second round. Yeah, he like, wasn't. He wasn't good enough. He didn't have enough leadership to get them to the second round. He didn't play. He didn't play defense. Wishes he was Brandon Sod. Honestly, he does. Uh, he, he wishes he was Olimata and Slater Cuckoo. Bro, Olimata <laughs> literally tried to turn into Bobby Orr that series. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Beautiful and, goal against Vegas. Oh my god. We're just Flurry's glove or something. Amazing. Oh man. He's just too good. He's just too damn good. Too yeah. good. So I was looking through the teams, like every team's possession numbers that like of the cup winning team's possession numbers since they started tracking stuff in 07-08. And looking at like the 2007-08 Red Wings was ridiculous because they were up at like almost 60%. Climbs and- that are- yeah, Prime Heder- Zetterberg and Dotsuk, like, they were ridiculous. And I don't think people realize how much Zetterberg kind of ruined Taves' early career. Like, he had Taves' number early Dude, on. Dude, he, he yeah. in the 2008 Cup Finals shut down Crosby and Malkin. That's why he won the Conn Smythe. Zetterberg's, Zetterberg's a horse. He's He was so He's good. He's got to be one of the most underrated players in, like, the last oh, little bit. He doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good of a career he had. Like the two thousand, like the Cox that won the cups in two thousand ten, they're all like mid to high, mid fifties, and then like the Kings that one were like high fifties. It was just kind of interesting. And I have like a game to play. Who do you think are the only two teams to win the cup without having uh, Corsi four percentage over fifty percent? There's only two teams that won the, the cup. St. Louis Blues are one of them. I'll say that's incorrect. Damn it! So they played two from two behind a bunch. So. Only two teams um, to have above 50% yeah, course. So, no, below. Below. Yeah, Only that's why I'm... Teams. Oh, okay, oh. okay. Um, Austin? Pittsburgh Penguins, have you one of them? Uh, no. Actually, no? yeah, you're correct. The 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins, and there's one more team. Okay. And this uh, is from what years? Last 20? Team. Um, the last 12 years. Since, or since 07, yeah, right, since it started. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, completely, I was no, on my it phone. Started the Red Wings here. It started the Red Wings here. Um, Washington? Yes. The okay. wow. 2008-09 and the 2018 Washington Capitals are the only team to win the cup with a negative possession. Actually, I can kind of believe Washington now that I think about that because that Columbus series was ooh. and they were in Vegas. They were getting outplayed a little bit too most of those games. So that's crazy. The one year they had negative position that possession, they won the cup. Right. Like, it, the but it also, like, or... it's the one year they had no, the shooting No, regular season, play. regular season. Like, the Caps oh. had a ridiculous shooting percentage in that playoff, too. So, that's another reason. Like, I remember uh, I was telling Connor, he, like, every time the Caps lose, I was like, you guys need your um, Brian Bickle 
Who's going to be your Brian Bickle when you win? Oh, it's Devontae Smith Pelly. It was Devontae Smith Pelly. It was Brett Conley. It was Lars Eller. Like, yo, Brett Conley. He's on our team now. Yo, he can score goals in the playoffs for us. Dude, Brett Conley oh, was so fun on the Caps. That line. Wasn't it Stevenson? Dude, was Cap- Dude Stevenson won the cup from Western Canada. Let's go. Jay Beagle was on that team, baby. Washington Capital legend Jay Beagle. Woo! <laughs> Can't forget uh, Michael Kempney, too. Oh my God! We trade us. We the right away, right as we trade him, he goes and he he carries the Washington Capitals. Yeah, he was it's crazy. What he, does. he was literally on that first pairing with Carlson, which, by the way, Dude, John Carlson. Like, according to a John lot of people, should win a Norris apparently. Hey, or is what about John John Carlson on the U.S. Olympic team? She. Oh God. Oh my God. McKinnon is going to. It's like toying with this food. Like he's gonna, he's just gonna mess with him. Like they I, just... the the U.S. is gonna have such like a flip flop defense. You know what I mean? Because they're gonna have a pairing that's McAvoy and Slavin, which is just gonna be disgusting. Yeah, you'll have Adam Fox too. Like that. yeah, they'll have Fox, but then they're gonna have Quinn Hughes and John Carlson who don't play oh defense. God. And then so. you'll have, you'll probably have the Wierenski Jones pairing in there somehow. Oh, we are gonna have Wierenski Jones. Oh. God damn it! God damn it! Bowman's gonna be like, look at Seth Jones play big minutes. Put him on an team. hour with the bubble. You can't teach that. You can't teach God. that. But yeah, actually, no. Like Bowman might be the guy that would be like, all right, get Adam Fox on this team. Not <laughs> many players can withstand that amount of minutes played. Come on. Yeah, don't worry. Canada's going to play Jordan Bennington, and he'll shut the bed. I mean, you guys are going to have Morgan Riley on the ice, so. Yeah, and Drew Doughty. That's going to be a fun pairing. If you get Drew oh, Drew Doughty on Team Canada, we win. That's Dude, what if they over. bring, like, 39-year-old Duncan Keith on the Olympic team? <laughs> oh, or Jonathan oh, Taves on the God. fourth line as, like, a 13-4. I, I could see Taves on the taxi squad. Oh, Taves should, be, Taves should be a fourth line He'd be like player. how St. Louis was in 2014. You just going to miss Mm-hmm. That's something I still don't understand. Was like the whole St. Louis Iserman thing. I still don't get that. So, so um, St. Louis uh, noted person I met working at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh yeah, do you want to tell that story? I don't think uh, ever... I, I think I've definitely told it a couple of times, but it's a good story. I'm gonna call, uh, tell it again. So yeah, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts in uh, early 2019. You know, just it's just a job. You know, trying to make my money. You know, trying to get my bag. I'm just chasing the bag at Dunkin' Donuts. Awful place. But um, so, yeah, I was like, I think it was around Easter or something. I was working on a Sunday morning. And uh, and this this Dunkin' Donuts is right behind uh, Seven Bridges Ice Arena, which I, I think some people, like some junior teams will go to. Like, you know, like they, they may know that place because like, they come from around the country to play there and like CCM tournaments and whatnot. And uh, I mean, clearly it was that kind of weekend because – uh, guess who just walks up to me at the front desk and goes, yeah, can I get a, you know, whatever, whatever. Because I didn't care what the guy was saying because I'm looking at Mark Pan St. Louis. And I'm like, uh, hey, yeah, um, so I watched you, like, all the time. Like, I was, it was the worst thing. The first thing I say is I go, hey, I watched you, like, all the time. Hey, he's thing? a small king, too. And he's like, oh, hey, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I'm like, uh, what, what, you know, what do you want? I'm shaking, you know, I'm... Oh my God, man! I was terrified, and uh, you know, I, I uh, give he and I, uh, he and his friends, uh, you know, their order. I don't know how I didn't drop it with the way my hands were shaking, and he was or he like crushed the cup like this. <laughs> oh, I was. I, I don't know how I didn't lose my mind. Like, he was one of my favorite players growing up. Noted five-two player like myself. Um. So yeah, no, I. I 
one of the coolest uh, one of the coolest things and even better he came in the next day he came in the very next day and i asked him like why are you here and he's like oh it's my, my son's tournament so yeah that's that's, that's no, why he came he was to there. see you again jimmy because you had such an impact on his day yeah he wanted to see you again but, yeah you know, you're right. Yeah. What about yeah, the time Steve called short king? He was so happy to find another short king hockey player, and I'm I'm exactly, happy to do that bro. for him. Yeah. What about the time Steve Conroy called you a good hockey player? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't call me the next Datsuk. I mean, that's that's all oh. Alex DeBrink gets. Hey, that's like that. that's like when I was in high school and John Gruden was like in a rush, same restaurant as me. He grabs my bicep and goes, "You should be playing football team for the school, kid." No I was like, I'm way. Good. I'm good. Dude, he was sitting there with our with our team quarterback at our high school, trying to recruit him to some Div two school. And like, I got a picture of it on my Instagram. And this dude grabs my bicep afterwards, and I'm like in eleventh grade, and he's just like, "You should be playing all line for the team, kid." And I was just like, I'm... Yeah, "John, you should be in jail." Uh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've seen Chris John so many times. What if you have a seat right over there? Oh man! Hey, I saw Carter Rowney <laughs> left the Stanley Cup in Grand Prairie, Alberta once. Ooh, that's what's up. That's Did he tell you you should be playing hockey for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, dude. Who do you think Mark Donk is and Buzz Flip? It's me. <laughs> I'm the random players that come up in the system. Bro, he's the yeah, Zach right, Aston Reese. Yeah, 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 dude. I'm I'm that that Czech guy. Like rat. rat what is Blueger? <laughs> yeah, I'm Teddy Blueger, dude. <laughs> Um, yeah. Martin St. Louis, by the way, underrated career. Hart, Hart, Art Ross, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup. I think Stanley Cup final, Olympic gold medal. Not bad for someone who went undrafted. Very good career. Very good young career with one goal. Also has probably one of the most hyped playoff goals of the last decade. Oh my God! That's 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 like, no, he, has he has two. He has two. Just so no, good. He, he has the one against Flurry after his mother passed away. Yeah, like, that's that was. That was that the same playoff. Yeah. Same playoff. Like you said, like he has one of the most hype goals. I'm like, no, 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 no. He has two from the same playoffs. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that one, but I just remember the Tikarski one because it was oh, just no. so fucking. Unbelievable oh, boy, Tikarski. Wait. You're oh, you're right. I'm not trying to say you're wrong. You're right, but like that that playoffs was oh uh, I missed Wait, I was playoffs. so ready for Hawks Habs, bro. I was so oh, ready for that. I was like, this is going to be awesome, bro. And then all of a sudden, Carey Price goes down and we choke. Yeah. We also scored the game, the game, the overtime goal in game six of the 2004 Stanley Cup final to set to game seven. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we actually won. It was over the line. You just you got a Or Ruslan Fedotenko got two game winning goals. Fedotenko! You remember the LeCavalier assist where he's just like spinning and like taking off everyone? Fedotenko! That was uh, on ESPN, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the last mm-hmm. ESPN game oh gary thorne take me was back last, was that the last game that gary thorne announced for hockey yeah. yep yeah. And then the lockout Wait, happened don't we all love the lockout guys yeah. <laughs> they need to bring that man back they i don't care throw throw another billion dollars at him i don't give a shit i want gary thorne calling hockey games on my tv that guy there's something he there's something about gary thorne calling a hockey game i love i love doc but Gary Thorne is the best, best human being to ever announce a hockey game, and I will die by that. Off the floor, on the board. Paul Korea. There's so many iconic. And you can't forget Ray Bork lifting the cup. After 22 years, Raymond Bork. Dude, that always brings tears to my eyes. So my dad, my dad is a Devils fan, and 
the Devils were the team that lost in 2001, I think it was. And uh, even though Avalanche beat them, he said, like, watching Ray Bork left the cup made him cry, which is hard to do because he doesn't cry much. So, like, I'm like, that's how you know. That's that's how you know it's something special. That was, like, I'm going to be that guy. That's how it's going to be when Joe Thornton wins this year. You know that, right? (laughs) Like, it's going to be even worse. Like, it's going to be. I'm going to be in tears if Thornton lifts that cup. Like, Jesus. Even, like, Jason Spezza. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wayne yeah, Simmons? I, yeah, there's a Yeah. It hit me the other day when Marlo was playing his – when he broke the record for games played, right? And it just hit me, like, it, weirdly on an emotional level, right? Like, Joe Thornton and Marlo, they only have one more chance each to win the cup. Patrick Marlowe, if Patrick Marlowe plays next his chance. Year, if Marlowe decides to play next year, that is his only chance, and he might not even do that. This is Joe Thornton's last chance. I don't think that he plays it. I don't think he can play again next year. This uh, dude, is he's like he's forty two, I think, or forty one. He wants that fucking cup. He wants what? that damn cup. I, do, I don't understand why Marlo resigned in San Jose. I never uh, understood. Or I can I, never, I can understand resigning in San Jose, but not even like getting a trade at the trade deadline. I don't get That's that. what I'm saying. That really bothered me. And when they asked him, oh, it was the most painful thing to watch. When they asked him, why do you come back to the rink every day? And he stops and he starts crying. Oh my God, dude. And you know why. You know why he comes back to the rink every day because he wants that damn cup. And he knows he may not get it. And that, I mean, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm sure that hit everybody who saw that like a ton of bricks. And it makes you think, like you said, this is Thornton's last chance to get it. This is probably, I mean, I think Spezza can play a little bit longer, but this is Joe Thornton's last chance mm-hmm. to get a Stanley Cup. So I've been in belief that I don't think the Leafs can do it this year, but they better fucking do it. They better do it for Joe and Thornton. And I hope Joe Thornton scores four goals in the Stanley Cup clinching game so that way he can lift the cup with his cock out. <laughs> Gotta love it, man. Yeah. Probably would be the most iconic shot ever in sports. <laughs> I don't... Um, Bobby Orr who? Yeah, I Bobby don't... Orr couldn't even hold a fucking candle to that. <laughs> well, no, because Joe Thornton's going to be holding his candle. Ha-ha! <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys... If we have... Uh, much more to talk about, but I, I do want to touch on the fact that uh, the Hawks Ryan have Miller. 25%. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's another guy who didn't get his cup. And I'm, it drove me nuts. But hey, I mean, um, he got an Olympic. Brian Miller's a Hall of Olympic Famer. Silver. Silver. But he go, did you? No, he got silver. Ugh, that it drives me nuts drives me nuts is that the San Jose Sharks were this close to trading for him this close to trading for him in 2018-19 at the deadline Dude, they might they, even win the cup that year. no if they get Ryan Miller if they get Ryan Miller they win the cup they just need a goalie just a, like 900-910 they just needed a decent goaltender that's all they needed and they well, didn't Jones was their guy, Jimmy. fuck off they didn't pull the trigger on it, and they wasted Pavelski. Another case of GMs not knowing when to go for it, even though they did go for it with Eric Carlson. But they had Thornton, Marlowe. But they didn't go for their biggest need, though, which was a goalie. Yeah, but like also, well, weren't they in on Crawford that year too? I think, or was that I'm last? Sure. Year? I don't uh, remember. 
I, I mean, remember there was teams looking at Crawford a few years ago for a trade. I don't know. That's besides the point. Well, they anyway, probably were. I mean, dude, they needed a goaltender. They probably were, but the Hawks went, mm, but we're going to make the playoffs in Dude, it's just another sign of teams not knowing when to sell and when to buy. It's really stupid. Literally one team that does not sell, that's the Blackhawks, and there's one team that didn't know how to buy, and that was the Sharks. But, of course, you know it's because Bowman wanted to look good for getting rid of Q and having Colleton. We know that's why. I mean, well, I can't say we know, but we know. You know, we know. Or I, I would say I should say McDonough. I should say McDonough because Bowman clearly knows how to sell. I should not give him shit for that. Uh, more and more every day, I was kind of like, eh, I don't think it was a McDonough. I think a lot of it's Stan Bowman. But like each every day, I'm like, okay, maybe it wasn't all Bowman's fault. Because McDonough was calling a lot more shots than we thought. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I don't think Bowman's like completely free of the moves he made. But like there, oh, a lot dude, of it I mean, had to do. Like he, he shouldn't act like he's perfect. No, like, he's you know. not innocent. No, no, like, remember what Adam said last podcast? Like, for everyone's downs, you should credit them for what they've done well. And Bowman's done a lot of things well over the last 18 months. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you look at his track. He's with asset. Well, uh, I want to say with asset management, but, like, you know what? Rough. This season he's done well with asset management because last year – the way he handled the Leonard contract situation, still... the Crawford contract situation, and the Sod situation, not well. But yeah. everything else has been fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think since the whole Zadorov Sod trade, I think he's been fine. But like, yeah, that's a good timeline, actually. Perfect. Wait, was no, McDonough was after the COVID stoppage. Yeah, yeah I think right? it was like a month it was after. April. It was in April of yeah. 2020. Oh, oh I bet, year. dude. Yeah. I bet you that. I bet you money that he that. Um, what's his face? McDonough wanted him to keep Eric Gustafson. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't even think European, that. Like, but he's, like, like, yeah, he's European. Why would he want to keep him? It makes no sense, but it also makes so much sense that he'd want to keep Gustafson, being you know being the guy who just wanted to win and nothing else. But again, hey, maybe it turns out that that was moment. Like, you, know, you just you never know. Yeah, you and we probably won't know. The one thing I'm going to be more honed in on with Bowman this offseason is his uh, offseason deals. Because I'm sorry, the way he handled the Leonard contract situation doesn't give me any faith with when we have to actually pay players. He's given no movement clauses to literally every human being in the world. I'm pretty sure he stopped doing that, though. No, he stopped doing that. Like, only the core players that won the Cups have him, which I'll give him credit for, but. Yeah, he's got to stop doing that. But like, Zot had like a no mark, which was stupid. Well, that was Columbus's deal. Never mind. It was the it was the Cam Ward deal that still worries me. Giving a guy one year to no movement clause. Well, it was over- one year, but like you shouldn't be giving up a no movement clause for someone like that. I don't know. That's for, he hasn't been doing that. Like he didn't give it to Soderberg or Yanmark. He really do knows. That, you know what I mean? Like he just sell, and he's just committed to that. But there's just always something. I don't know, man. Like. Like I've been giving Bowman the most props, uh, maybe as much as anybody else, but I don't know, man. Him and his no movement clauses, they worry me sometimes. They just have to get rid of Zadorov and Dahan, and I'm like, I'm fine with the offseason. They one, have to find at least one of them. Like, least, like, I'm setting the bar low. You have to get rid of, rid of at least one of them. Zadorov's probably the easiest to get rid of, but like, yeah. Oh man! Dude, again, Dahan. like just do what you did with Olimata. Trade Dahan to like a team that has cap space, maybe retain a bit. Like just like I can see DeHaan on a team like Ottawa retained half, yeah. which they they've been known to trade with Dorian in the past because I know that's how the NHL works and they have their little inner circle 
and they have to go bargain bin shipping like shopping like they did this like last offseason game guys like yeah mark walmark and soderberg and so like giving term to guys they do (laughs) so yeah um i think that's it yeah that's a good podcast Hmm. yeah 4 30 where i am uh the blackhawks game is i think it's in half an hour or is it an hour and a half i think it's an eight yeah it is it's the same time as the draft so i'm gonna be watching probably the draft more than the hawks i don't don't blame you man an hour and a half can't wait for that spencer night uh hey i I took your advice though i picked him up in fantasy for tonight good job because i don't trust our own team (laughs) (laughs) that was basically my reason it hurts me but i can't trust my own guys tonight God, I can't wait for Kyle Trask to be a bear. It's going to be so stop. much fun. Stop. Stop. Jimmy, you can't even joke about shit like that on the podcast because it's going to get spoken into existence. And I'm going to come on the pod on Monday, and I'm going to be the most miserable piece of shit there is. So you're saying is Ryan Pace <laughs> listens to the podcast? Oh, man. Oh, Ryan Pace with his two phones right now, just like, you hear that, boys? <laughs> Make a move. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, the Bears are just a tie. Bear, like I think the Hawks are like the Hawks. That's why I give the Hawks so much credit because like that they, they are not even close to as much of a tire fire as the Bears are. No. There are not many teams in sports at all that are as close to the Bears in terms of tire fireness. It's just so funny too because outsiders are just like, but they're eight and eight. It's like no, there's just so many more no, problems. No, but I'm no. not going into that. That's a whole other thing. We're trying to wrap this podcast up. <laughs> <laughs> no. I could literally go on a whole podcast about what's oh, going hey, on. Positive, the uh, Hawks are allowing 25% capacity for their last two home games, which is a huge step in the right direction. Uh, it took I, a, a, I like how I completely forgot that. The last two games, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. You get to watch them bench all their guys against the Stars. So. Yeah, but I get to watch right. the Ice Dogs play against an NHL team. Come on now. I mean, we've Dude, been watching Ice Dogs all year. Dude, what if the Stars and the Preds are battling for the last spot in the last two games and the Hawks go, yeah, but we want to play spoiler, and they play their best players? They did that, like, a couple years ago with St. Louis, remember? Oh, yeah. Like, Keith, Keith scored with, like, two seconds. Were we down, were we down oh. 3-1 as well? Yep, down 3-1. Stillman yeah. scored a shorty, and then DeBrinket oh scored God, off the right. Blake Stillman, <laughs> Blackhawk legend. You think Riley Stillman's a legend? Nah. Blake Stillman, baby. Blake Future Stillman. stalwart of the defense once upon a time. Oh, Actually, we've got a couple of questions. Do you want to answer them and then we'll, then we'll get the hell out of here? Sure, okay. sure. All right. Uh, all right, first question from my good pal, Jacob at Canadian Jesus. Why are the hosts so cute and actually knowledgeable? But seriously, thoughts on the Hawks year as a whole? One of you gentlemen can go. I don't know. Definitely a positive. Um, I know I've probably been the most negative one about the Hawks this year, but this has been more of a positive year than we've had in the last three years. There are, there are spots you can build off of. There are at least five new pieces that I would add to this core going forward. You got Hagel, you got Kalanuck, you got Kershev, you got Bodan, you got um, uh, you got Hinnestrosa too coming back if you can get him back. You got, you got a bunch of bright pieces. Kane's still Kane. Um, and the goaltending, like, I mean, you got something with Lankanen. Just got to find um, got to find a solution. And Taze so is, is going to be healthy, healthy hopefully. Exactly. And all of this is without our freaking captain. So, yeah. and we've had to deal with a bunch of injuries this year. So, I, I'd say I, it's a positive year. I am, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, most of what you said is how I feel. Like, it's it's a step in the right direction, right? 
And I think the biggest thing is what you said. They did it without their captain. It's a without their top two centers for like half of, over half of the season. Yeah, Doc was out for thirty five games or whatever to start. Yeah, we were, the Hawks were expected to be the worst or the yeah the worst or maybe in the bottom. Three, they were five supposed to be what that. the Buffalo Sabers were this year. Yeah, and what did you get out of it? You got a team. You found out you have a goalie. You found out that you know, plenty of your prospects can be huge contributors, and you need those role players. Every team needs role players, and they found out they, they have plenty of guys who can do that, and they found out they have guys who can play in middle to top six roles, like a guy like Kurashev. A guy like Brandon Hagel can play in your top six if need to. That guy is pure energy. A guy you like Kalina can play in your top four on defense. Like, yeah, these lines are great. Nick Bodan is actually what you want him to be. Adam Boakfist is he's taking the he's their best defenseman. He's taking the next step to being he could be an Eric Carlson Jr. He could be that. He's taking steps towards that. And yes, he's had his concussion. Murphy took another step too. I was, yeah. He's taking a step every year with this. You also in learned system, that Patrick so. Kane is Patrick Kane, and it's he's not losing this. Alex Debrinket bounced back, bro. Like, dude, not only did he bounce Lazarus. back, but he has a way more complete that game he's, than he has in years past. Taking another step towards superstardom. It's great. I was just going to say that. Yes, he is. There was something someone said uh, at the beginning of 2018 19. I think it was CTA. And I, uh, a lot of his tweets, I know that I disagree with. But he, I agree with him here when he said, um, He's like, you know, it's it's nice to see. I know he may not be a game breaker kind of guy, but it's nice to see Debrinket doing well. I think he's becoming a game breaker kind of guy. Oh, totally. He's yeah, going definitely. to be a game a game changing game changer. That's the word I'm looking for. He's going Let's to be a this, game. Let, oh, sorry. I I no, was just gonna say I, no, I he's literally that. at that impact point of Taze and Kane, where when Debrinket's out of the lineup, it is almost unbearable. Like, yeah. Y- yeah. Y- y- he has to be in the lineup for this team to produce. And he and he's at the point now, and I think he's always been at this point, he can carry his own line. He doesn't need yeah, Kane I've all the time. said that he's like a mini Sharp. No, he's going to be better than Sharp ever was. No yeah. offense to Patrick Sharp, as great as Sharp's he was. Sharp's a hell of a hockey player. And he's getting better. the defensive game that Sharp had too later in his career now too. He's getting way better at stick checking. How old is he now? He's 23. Patrick Sharp wasn't really an effective player till he was. he wasn't really playing yeah. full NHL till he was 23. To bring it... He's on the brink of brink, ha 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 ha. He's on the brink of superstardom at the age of 23. He's played, sorry, he's scored 41 goals two years ago, and he's on 21 year old. Okay, but then he scored 18 goals the next year. Obviously, he's not a good player. Yeah, shooting like what seven percent or whatever. It's great. I think, I think it was less than that. <laughs> yeah, like so bad. Oh man, he has a realistic chance of having number 12 up above him. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a hawk for life. Like they, they have to make that a thing. Also, I feel like another thing we have kind of swept under the rug when we talk about how, like, the Hawks season. Dominic Kubelik's proven he's not just, like, a product of tapes. He can he can carry his own line, too. No. I mean, he carried his own power play unit for half the year on his Dominic own. Dominic is becoming an elite player in his own right. He is not a product of Quite Jonathan Quite simply not a product of Jonathan Tabes. But, like, <laughs> but like, you remember that? All those, like, athletic articles at the beginning of the year, they were like, well, Tabes isn't there and it's not a full season. I don't see Cooper League scoring 30. It's like, well, no shit. No, no. one's going to score 30. But the guy's on a 30-goal average if he was playing right now. I think he's at 31 and 48 or something like that, point-wise. Maybe he's becoming I... a better playmaker. Like He's another guy I like to bring it, rounding out his game. I really... I really want to hit on that because, like you said, everyone's saying that, oh, Taves isn't there. He's not going to do well. That does not matter because Kubalik is a player. He's a smart player. He's a guy who knows how to find the open areas. He knows where to be. And you, the thing with that is that you can play wherever when you're like that. 
when you know where to be, when everyone else has the puck, do you that kind of player can play anywhere in, you know in your top uh your top nine, your middle six. Because you can as long as somebody can get the puck to him, he's fine. Because he knows where to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's been he's actually been pretty unlucky this year. That's the thing. He was very I wouldn't say lucky, but a lot was going in for him last year. Um and this year he just hasn't had the same kind of luck. But he's still shooting. He's not like Doc where he's deferring to pass and yes, that could be part of his wrist, but He's not, he doesn't have Nick Schmaltz syndrome. He knows that he has a good shot, and he's using it, and we still see him scoring. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who – he doesn't need to be with Jonathan Taves to be good. I, I just don't believe that. We also no, just think how – Sorry. Yeah. No, just think how good he'll be with Jonathan Taves back, you know. That's, I, I, I think we talked about it ad nauseum in the chat. Like, the first line I want to see when Taves comes back, Kubelik, Taves, Hagel. Throw him out there. I just <laughs> want – just a horse of a line. Like, and you oh, my God. Kane. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Your top six is set then. Like, and, and then you just got to worry about filling in the gaps. Dude, and then you the can put Suter, Kurashev, uh, whoever. Maybe Connolly. And Estroza. And Estroza, Reichel, Strom still hanging around. Like, Dude, I don't think Strom's back next year. Yeah, can I just say that? Strom's so gone. Strom is so gone. And I, I just hope I just hope they get something good for him. Not even his fault, dude. He's getting uh, jumbled in the lines all the time. I like people yeah. are like, oh well, Strom sucks, blah blah blah. It's like, how are you supposed to produce when your oh. wingers are getting flipped every other game because yeah. someone needs to play with Patrick Kane? That's not you. It's just not a fit. Like, it's not a fit. You know, like that's that's not that, it was, it was, but the writing no. was on the wall as soon as they drafted Doc. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is from Mark Lazarus. It's a whole thread. So positives from 2021. Hagel is a player. Suter is a player. Kalanuk is a player. Kershev will be a, a solid third liner at worst. Lincoln will be fine. Lean on too heavily lately, which we talked about. Debrinkit took the next step forward to start superstardom, which we also talked about. Doc will be 100%. Hennis Stroh is a contributor. Lucas Reichel is on the way. Uh, maybe even Mashalunov, which, by the way, um, his team got eliminated and he might be coming over. Um, and uh, another another high pick in the draft, which we'll get into the next question, and then uh, Jonathan Taves. So that that would probably be a building point, and then obviously the whole defensive system as a whole. But you know, <sighs> yeah, oh, yeah, we've touched on that a million times. In the draft, we need to look for defensemen. You know, it's not a very yeah. strong draft, but if they can get a defenseman, even like a top four defenseman, that's what they need. Just something like a left-handed defenseman would be great. Yeah, especially that. Um, well, yeah, I think that's it. I think we can end the podcast off. Yeah, no, that's a great pod, boys. Let's go. Yeah, hell yeah. Hope we don't get our shit kicked in the night. <laughs> yeah, the Bears draft, uh, who is it, Trask? Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask. Please, Kyle no. Trask. Just, like, can the Bears play it safe tonight and just, like, pick a right tackle or a cornerback? Like, just don't yeah. do anything stupid. Yeah, you're going to get a quarterback in the later rounds, honestly. No, just don't take a quarterback. Like, if you're not getting one of the top five, don't. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, but, I, I don't know anything about this. I guess we're I'm gonna go get like David Mills, and that's fine. But oh well, Mac Jones, baby. Alrighty, so uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap things up. And a big announcement: Charlie Romeliotis will be joining us next week, friend of the podcast Woo! and yearly uh, tradition. So looking forward for that. I don't know if it's Monday or Thursday, but uh, we'll let you know when we find out. So uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope you all are staying safe. Uh, wearing your masks and uh, social distancing, and hopefully you've got, gotten the vaccine if you can. Um, Jimmy, Schmitty, you've made it through all the wings. What do you have to say to the cameras? Uh, 
I got cameras. I don't know. Do my hands right now. Um, you know, everyone have a good weekend. How about that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Be safe and don't be an asshole. It's, it's free. Yeah, don't be. Don't be a Jimmy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. I kid. I kid. I'm an open asshole. I've, I've, uh, I've opened up to it. Pause. Okay. Let's just stop this podcast.